Oh, I do have the doc open. I wasn't looking at it. Do you see the screen? Let me plug in my mic. This is huge news, breaking news on the drive-in podcast. Are you ready? No. See my too screen? Bad. No, wait. Do you see my screen? Don't look. Do you see my screen? I'm sharing my screen. Yes, I see it. Do you see what I'm doing? Okay. Wait, no. Let me plug my headphones in. Okay, if you're not going to look, then all right. All right, breaking news, Ricky Flex. Breaking news. This is this is going to make the checkup. I don't know if you're ready, but I'm going to say it anyway. Keanu Reeves. Oh, I saw this. Will star in his first major TV role, The Devil in the White City for Hulu. Executive produced by Leonardo DiCaprio and Martin Scorsese. This is the Leo role from a couple of years ago. This project is happening. Keanu is going to play this killer, probably. Are you kidding me? That's awesome. I didn't know. (laughs) Ricky, this is huge. Do you disagree? I think it's massive. Ricky, this is monstrous. There's a lot of... Monstrous. There are so many things at play here that it's just mind-boggling. Scorsese, DiCaprio, Reeves. (laughs) <laughs> I, the big three we didn't know we needed ricky flick are you kidding me that i think that's that's like obviously the flat there's even more like things that i'm just shocked with this news that's a role that leo was circling and they're making it a show now that he's producing and they got keanu reeves instead what what let me get my clapboard this is the drive-in podcast take one Bada bing, bada boom. Welcome to episode 70 of the Drive-In Podcast. On today's episode, we have the Express Checkup with yours truly, Dr. O. We have a small trailer roundup this week. Then we have our review of Matrix Resurrection starring Keanu Reeves. And we have our top billing draft of the most anticipated movies of 2022. Use the bathroom now. Grab that popcorn and enjoy the 70th episode of the Drive-In Podcast. Bada bing, bada boom, Ricky Flex. Happy New Year, dude. How are you? Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. So we're recording uh, this checkup in this first portion of the pod, the Monday after New Year's. How do you feel going back to work? Oh, it's the worst day of the year. I think it's hands down the worst. And I usually like ignore it and i try to always be positive like okay we're going back to work okay i'm gonna try and put on a happy face dude my eyelids felt so heavy all day so heavy all day and as an educator i got like sleeping kids in front of me i was just tempted to be like okay let's we're gonna watch a documentary the first 25 minutes then we'll do a slight nap time and then i'll give you a head start in your homework they're on saving private ryan call it a day you know what? I don't even teach that. Like, I don't teach <laughs> World War One, World War Two, and Cold War anymore. I'm like teaching like the Aztecs and the Mayans. So I, I had to I put on like a '90s mm. El Dorado. Docu- <laughs> El Dorado. I actually made a reference to El Dorado um, in my class, and I said, "Who's seen El Dorado?" And like one kid raised their hand. That's one kid. Dang. El Dorado. I'm like, damn. You guys don't know the musical talents beyond 
Lion King for Elton John. You guys are stuck with just the uh, the Lion King. Like, come on, you got to open your horizons. Um, low key banger, El Dorado. Banger. But I, I showed like a '90s documentary that definitely put the kids to sleep. But it's okay. <laughs> I think I did them a favor, like first day back. To be honest. Yeah, slow and steady wins the race. All right. Um, any resolutions this year, Ricky Flex? Movie wise, what do you got? Um, movie wise, movie wise, movie wise. I don't know. I really don't know. I haven't even thought about it. I, I like right now. I told myself, oh, I'll actually start watching, like, stop rewatching older movies and start like keeping up with the newer movies. So I guess Same. that's a new a resolution. And this week, or even like, what is this? The January third releases tomorrow. So you're listening to this on the fourth, Tuesday the fourth. So far in three days, I've watched The Lost Daughter, Passing, Pig, three wow. movies that literally came out last year that I just never got around to. Finally did. Very glad I did. So I'm, so, I'm already starting my resolution hot in 2022. That's pretty good, Ricky Flex. Those are three obviously critically acclaimed films that happened 2021 into 2022. They're going to have a lot of impact in the Oscars conversation later on uh, this year. I made a commitment. I, I'm going to write down every new movie I see. I have it in an Excel chart. I'm going to score every new movie that I watch. Every single one. I'm going to apply a score to it. And then I'm going to look back on what were my best of the year. So it's easy to keep track of, but I, I'm committed to like, I'm, I'm thinking like 150 movies I've never seen before that I will watch this year. Yeah. I, so I did something similar. To, like I did do that in 2021, but I just didn't keep track of every single one. Um, but just, I'm opening it up right now. Just the ones I wrote down. And these aren't all new movies. These are just every single movie that I wrote down is watching from front to end, beginning to end. Guess how many I watched in 20 that I wrote down in 2021? 125. Wow. That is an incredible guess. Remember, I, I probably watched more than this. I wrote, I wrote down 116. No way. Okay. That's close. That's close. That is impressive. Ten. That is impressive. Good guess. And I didn't, I don't remember all the scores I gave to, for them so i didn't write them down so i'll have to watch them again or look back to see what i wrote in the graphics former graphics and stuff like that but yeah 116 that's a lot of hours i had a lot of like sunday scaries last night i couldn't sleep i drank too much coffee and uh so i decided instead of watching a new movie i actually watched the first episode of yellowstone oh you started it that first episode was fire it was fire Oh, yes, I do. Ending. Yeah. Great ending to the episode. A lot of character dynamics, right? A lot of interesting dynamics, power struggle. Okay. I like like Kevin Costner as like almost like a Logan Roy type of character. I'm liking what I'm seeing so far. Um, He is Logan Roy. And there, it it almost has, I forgot what the guy's name is. Uh, He almost is like the Jon Snow, I could tell from the first episode. uh, Guy with uh, long, long blonde hair and the beard who's married to the um, he's married to the native American woman that lives on the reservation. He's like the Jon Snow. I can tell already the one that I'm going to be reading for the entire time. Casey. That's it. Yeah. I've already, uh, so I have no I idea. Talking I about just, rip until you said uh, uh, like rip, you know, rip. 
You don't know Rip. He's the big guy. On I, I, I don't ranch. know any. I just saw the first episode. Oh, oh is he the it. guy? He's like a little burly boy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He's in a. What is he oh, in? I have like. Is he? Is he this guy? Yes, that's Rip. <laughs> so I still get TV Guide because I bought my my grandpa's house, and it, I still get TV Guide that comes here once a month. And so I see this guy. I guess the perfect opportunity to show this cover that has Yellowstone <laughs> promoting season four. Do you know uh, what I think of him in every time I see him? This guy? Yeah. He looks familiar. Yeah, I know. Um, well, th- this can't be the what I'm really thinking of, but or sorry. So I think of Too Fast, Too Furious every time I see him. Because he's really? a bad guy I, in that. He's not in Shout this movie, Scotty but Curious. I think of I just think of Wild Hogs. So I'm looking at this dude's face. But he's in something <laughs> else. He's in he looks familiar. Days to confused. Way, Days to confused. Yes, yes, he is Days and Confused. Yeah. I'm gonna have to. I, I can't wait to start watching another episode tonight. I think I'm gonna watch this episode two and three, and maybe mix in Pig right after. After we're done recording Pig, the checkup and trailer roundup. I tweeted this out last night. I I will have to look back on my past year, but post Oscars last year, so April 2021 on to literally the second. Pig might have been the best movie I saw. Wow. It's up there. It's not what I expected. I I, I only I th- saw I th- mine was still, I think, I think I said mine was Dune and West Side Story. They really like neck and neck. West Side Story is like, I, I think I picked Pig over West Side Story. That's how crazy it wow. is. Wow. I gotta watch it. Like I'll I watch think, it and then give a, a brief review. Like for me personally, I enjoyed Pig better. I, it's like more is, my because is I'm it not, a better a movie guy. or just a great performance by Nick Cage? Both. I definitely performance. Like it was something. I was very impressed with Nick Cage. I, I, my expectations like were obviously high going into it. Like it's gotten such critical acclaim, but I was just like, wow, like this is not what I expected because the first five minutes is like, yep, this is what I was expecting. But then all of a sudden, like I realized that it's a modern day movie. Like, oh, did you think it was like a medieval movie? Where yeah, I, I thought it was just like, like I've only seen like stills of it, of him dressed the way he is. And then with a pig out in the middle of the woods. So I, I didn't read the synopsis at all. And I was just watching it. And I was like, oh my God, this movie's crazy. Uh, I'm going to have to watch it. And I'm going to have to give a, a brief review, but it's, I'm assuming that's your favorite performance of the year. And it's one that you would probably give on the uh, drive-in podcast end of year awards. I'm not going to give that away because we're going to do those. So I'm not going to give away my pick there. So we are committed to doing those. I'll have to start. Making I am my so list. committed. And with one of the delays on the checkup today, I am even more committed because Dr. Rowe, January and February is looking light for the movie release schedule. Real light. We're going to get wild with the reviews and uh, the segment ideas. But with that being said, Ricky Flex, uh, you talked about a light checkup. You want to get to it right now? Yeah, there's a couple of big things, though. Let's check the audiences up. Betty White has sadly passed away at age 99, only a few weeks away from her 100th birthday. White was a TV icon, best known for her TV role in Golden Girls. Rest in peace, Betty White. Rest in peace, legend. Next up, Will Arnett will replace Army Hammer on Taika Waititi's upcoming film, Next Goal Wins. Reshoots have already taken place. Next up, Lee Isaac Chung is set to direct Beef, which will be a comedy drama series that will star Steven Yoon and Ali Wong. 
following the success of Minari, director Lee Isaac Chung and Stephen Yeun are reuniting to work on this new TV series for Netflix and A24. Next up, Dwayne Johnson said there is 0% chance he's going to return for Fast and Furious 10. RIP, Scotty Furious. Dwayne Johnson said, quote, Vin's recent public post was an example of his manipulation. I didn't like that he brought up his children in the post as well as Paul Walker's death, end quote. Wow, them's fighting words. Next up, Morbius was supposed to be our review in a couple weeks, has now been delayed to April 1st. And then finally, Keanu Reeves is going to star in his first major TV role, The Devil in the White City for Hulu. Martin Scorsese and Leonardo DiCaprio will executive produce. The story follows an architect and a serial killer whose fates are forever linked by the Chicago's World Fair of 1893. Ricky Flex, I think we have to, that's going to do it for the check this week, by the way. That's going to, um, we got to start with Keanu Reeves starring in this Hulu series, The Devil in the White City. This was a movie rumored a few years back as to be a Scorsese-directed project with Leo in the lead role as a potential serial killer, a true story from the Chicago World Fair of 1893. Instead, we're having a, a, a miniseries with Scorsese and Leo involved, only Keanu's in the lead. What do you think about this role for our guy, Mr. Reeves? Yeah, so this news just hit five minutes ago, uh, five to ten minutes ago, so I'm still just in flux right now but i think i'll leave the sexy headline to you and i'll kind of dive into some other shocking things that i'm thinking of just with this so number one keanu on tv not in a movie wow he's known as the action star a blockbuster actor going to tv this is that's pretty crazy two this is going to be a series right this is a series one season that's it yeah, it looks like i'm assuming it's gonna be a mini series it's based on an actual on actual events right so probably one season, like true detective type stuff. Like that's what I'm thinking, like kind of crazy. And, you know, who else is shifting the TV here is Scorsese and Leo. What the heck is going on? Wow. Like it's, this is like insane. And for those that haven't heard of this book, this book is like, I've heard is amazing. Like what I've heard is one of the best books in the past. Like it came out in 03, I believe. I heard it's one of the best books of this era. I heard it's amazing. And someone, uh, I don't know if you mentioned the name, but Todd Field. I don't know if you no. mentioned him. He's uh, helping writing this. And he's been nominated for three Oscars um, before. Uh, What's two, he done? So uh, nothing like uh, sexy. Tell like me, he's done a lot of artsy fartsy stuff like Little Children in 06. He was nominated for Best Adapted Screenplay, but that's what this is going to be adapted, right? Adapted from a book. And he also um, was nominated for In the Bedroom in 01, which he also got nominated for for Best Picture. But that was also based on other prior material. So that's what you want to see here Scorsese directing. You got Leo just to provide credibility. And you got someone that's a proven writer, a proven adapted screenplay and based on prior work, working on this novel that's well-renowned and very famous for being amazing. So well-regarded and supposedly amazing. So that's what you want to see. It has all the components. And then you just throw in Keanu Reeves playing the lead. Unbelievable. I, I can't wait. I, this is a bit huge news and a light checkup. 
this is the big three we didn't know we needed. We were talking about potentially, uh, not potentially, will happen, Killers of the Flower Moon with Scorsese, DiCaprio, and De Niro all uniting, right? This is the one we didn't know we needed. And I like this especially, and I think obviously most, for Keanu Reeves because he's challenging himself in a way he doesn't seem like he has before. He's never done a TV series. He's getting kind of sucked into this like mini series train where he looks at, looks at it as a potential avenue for his career. But also, you mentioned before, he's associated with like the blockbusters, Matrix, John Wick. And now it seems like he's challenging himself in a role that originally was intended for Leonardo DiCaprio, potentially. Like, that is nuts. And the best way for him to do it, like his popularity, is somehow almost like at an all-time high, right? Even at the age of 57. Definitely at all-time it's like, high. It's like a, it's such a late career renaissance. Or even like you talk about the 90s when he, when he was such a massive name, when you talk about Point Break, Speed, Matrix, and then obviously John Wick, Matrix Reboot. And he's such a, such a beloved figure. I think he's surrounding himself with the right pieces, obviously. Like, how could he say no? He could be could have been complacent, I guess, and just say, I'm going to make five more John Wick movies. But no, let's challenge him in a, a dark thriller, right? With Scorsese and DiCaprio, a part of the project. Like, I can't wait to see who else is involved here. And uh, I just don't know. I, I, I can't wait for this to come. I, I assume it's going to happen in 2023. Uh, based on the news just popping up, but I couldn't be more excited. I'm so jacked hearing this news. Yeah, and you talk about the Keanu Sans here. Like, John Wick, like, started it all, and you know he's getting weird when he's doing a Matrix reboot. But even prior to that, he's Duke Kaboom in Toy Story 4, right? He's going to be in the DC League of Super Pets. Um, what else has he done? He's done. He's been rumored to be, like, a part of, like, uh, rumored to take an MCU role for years now, right. a couple years. Um, yeah, exactly. He's um, he was in the SpongeBob movie. He did Bill and Ted again. He <laughs> Bill did and Bi- Ted reboot. He did yeah. a Bill and Ted reboot, which critically didn't do that bad. So I just it's shocking, like what's just happened here, what has transpired. How we just mentioned all those projects, all of those are either reboots, comedies, or just big blockbuster action movies. Like this it- is actually serious, and this is television. And it's Hulu. Hulu, another new for all these people. Hulu. Huge for Hulu. Hulu's crazy for miniseries right now. We got Dope Sick with Michael Keaton that came out in the uh, last year. Then you had obvious, then you have obviously the Pam and Tommy um series, miniseries coming out this year with uh Sebastian Stan and Lily James. And now Seth you Rogen. have Seth Rogen, but and now you have obviously DiCaprio and Scorsese with Keanu Reeves. Like Hulu making a push right now. Yeah. And obviously more adult themes here. Like Hulu, like it is like that Disney partnership, right? Was because Disney does own Hulu. It's like they are committed to like creating these more adult projects, right? That won't be seen on Disney Plus. And I mean, we thought that I thought that Scorsese was just gonna have a real tight connection. We we've seen him now work with. Netflix with the Irishman. We got Kills of the Flower Moon on Apple TV. And now he is with Hulu for this upcoming Devil in the White City. This man is just available to every streaming service as long as you pay him enough money. And Leo, <laughs> you could say the same thing for Leo right now. Like Leo, don't look up, obviously, with the climate uh, situation there and kind of getting that to the masses. That probably is why he accepted that going to streaming. But then again, he's in Kills of the Flower Moon with Leo, uh, Scorsese. And then he's doing this. So... Very interesting on his front as well. I think um, there's also, it's also worth mentioning, this is not the first time Scorsese has like forayed into television. Uh, he was, he, I, I believe he directed the first, either one or two episodes of Boardwalk 
Boardwalk Empire. He was mm. instrumental in that show. And then he also, I think, was a part of Vinyl. Remember that? I think yeah, can we that, look was that, a, up? that was a one season one. And Wasn't done. it him and Mick Jagger? Is that right? I'm going to look this up really quick. Vinyl, so Mick, like the HBO show? Yeah, starring Bobby Cannavale. Remember that? Yeah, I remember, but I didn't know Scorsese. Yeah, he's an executive producer. It was on vinyl. And right? he was a writer with Mick Jagger and Terrence, Terrence Winter. Oof. I knew it. Yeah, I knew that. And Terrence Winter also Boardwalk Empire combined right. with Scorsese there. So. so I love that. So I like I love Boardwalk Empire. So I'm not going to hate on vinyl. Just, I've never seen it, but I know it got canceled after one season. So yeah. I don't know. But uh, what a way to kick off this checkup. I'm so hyped that we're getting this new Keanu Reeves, this new um, re- reformed. But Ricky Flex, let's also talk about Will Arnett replacing Army Hammer. Because I think it's a very juicy piece of news. Juicy. Next goal wins. Uh, we got a Taika Waititi film with Michael Fassbender in the, in the starring role. Was supposed to be alongside Army Hammer. Will Arnett replaces them. What do you think about this uh, switch up? Yeah, so when I saw this piece of news, I'm like, oh, wow. Uh, this is basically like for PR to get people to see this movie. Obviously with the complications and controversy around Army Hammer right now. Smart. But when you click on the link for the article, which you usually don't do, right? You just see the headline and then you make those assumptions like I did. But apparently it wasn't for that. It was because Army Hammer wasn't available for reshoots. Really? Yeah. Well, I mean, that maybe they made him not available. <laughs> maybe, but that's not the impression I was getting from this article deadline. Um, it was that he wasn't available and he's not in the main role. He's in the supporting role. So they were able to cast someone else to kind of just do the same amount of reshoots, really. And then just cover for any other parts. So it wasn't in. So what I'm saying is that what I'm getting from that is he was never in this much of the movie, number one. And two, this is Michael Fassbender's movie, Fast Train, baby. Let's go. Or or <laughs> a potential breakthrough for our guy, Will Arnett. Lego Batman himself. Oh, uh, yeah. Right, this is is a great opportunity. When's the last? When's the? When's name a movie that he's had this type of like prestige put upon it with such an awesome director and a potential like an Oscar nominee in Michael Fassbender? Like you have two uh, the uh, we talk about combinations of actor director Fassbender and Watiti here. Like Will Arnett. I mean, Army Hammer, like they don't have, they're not very similar, but it tells you everything about like this type of movie where it's going to be like a comedic drama. I think that's what we should really anticipate here. Yeah, definitely. Definitely comedic drama. But you know who else is in this movie that isn't known for comedy at all? Uh-oh. And you were just talking about Hulu miniseries being dark and it's Elizabeth Moss. Wow. So like, it's going to be interesting for her too like because obviously it's taika he's not going to not have comedy in this or comedic elements at the minimum so it's going to be interesting to see how she's going to fit with these three with uh with uh fassbender and her not really being known for the comedic aspects of their career but then you throw will arnett who literally only does comedic aspects i you gotta assume that fassbender is gonna be playing the straight man to the slapstick arnett right yeah that's what i'm assuming as well but that'd be like too obvious, maybe. I don't know. Like, I kind of hope Will Arnett's more than that in this movie. And uh, I, I'm excited. It's kind of tough because, like, maybe they needed, like, okay, we need someone that has that almost that similar look. They, like, they're not the same looking guys. <laughs> they got to be honest. They're just really tall guys. <laughs> but uh, I, I just think that Arnett, like, it has to be a comedic role if you got someone coming in for reshoots, right? That's like, that's a strength. Yeah. Um, going on here. We got we got to call out. We got we got to talk about Betty White. Not call out, but we have to talk about Betty White. 
Um, what was your relationship to her? Um, I know we would, weren't alive during Golden Girls. We were there for the reruns and everything. But uh, how are you going to remember Betty White? Uh, I was saying this the, when, uh, the day she uh, passed away. was that I think that she's the most beloved person ever. I think that nobody hated her. Or, yeah. like, she, I think she, if, like, like I, I obviously – there's a lot of divisiveness in this in the world, not just today, but always. So there's always like something that people could say that, oh, I don't like this person because of this. And it's going to be something stupid. Betty White was just a lovely person all around. And mm-hmm. she was also very cool, down to earth. But then also, so cool. but also you can go the other way as well. Um, I, I like I was going through like celebrities who I'm like, all right, who like are the most beloved celebrities or most beloved people? And like politicians come to mind, but it's like, but then you got the other side and Keanu Reeves. can't really do that. Keanu Reeves, like that's a good one. I was thinking the rock, but now he's getting kind of annoying to yeah. the point where he's getting a little annoying. And you yeah. can say that about a lot of celebrities and social media. So Betty White just was able to, I don't know. It's just always there and re- like reliable. And like, you, like we talk about the rock and people call say he's beloved, but he's so into marketing himself and like making money off himself. He doesn't have that genuine. She's just gen- yes, genuine. He doesn't have that genuine feeling that Betty White does. Like when Betty White's on Saturday Night Live and when she was making appearances in the proposal, like it was, you couldn't, you like, you knew she was very old. Like you knew she was doing it because she just liked making people laugh. And uh, she knew people would like seeing her in that role. Like she didn't have to do that. She was so old doing those roles. She was 90. She was 90 when like the proposal came out, right? Or just, just shy of 90. Um, so what, honestly, what I think of Betty White in terms of me growing up, I didn't get to watch Golden Girls. I think of the best Super Bowl ad that ever aired. <laughs> mm-hmm. Snickers. The Snickers commercial. Mike, what is your deal, oh, man? Oh, come on, man. You've been riding me all day. Mike, you're playing like Betty White out there. That's not what your girlfriend said. Oh, baby. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Eat a Better? Better. Hey! I'm bet. That hurt. You're not you when you're hungry. Snickers satisfies. I was thinking I think the same of her thing. and Abe Vigoda. That's not what your girlfriend says. That <laughs> <laughs> hurt. Like, I, just, I, I think it's... My favorite Super Bowl commercial of all time. That's what I think of. Um, yeah. And there's a bunch, there's been a, a bunch of awesome ones. Like that was like the prime of Super Bowl ads for our lifetime. So I think they've kind of gone over the hill here and they're not at what they used to be because people don't really care as much about commercials now because we've learned to tune them out. Um, but that one is what I remember Betty White most for, along with the scene in the proposal. Yeah, like on screen, definitely those two. But speaking of commercials, I don't know. I don't know how much football you watched on Sunday, but oh my God, the Apple Watch ads. Did you see? I didn't that? watch it. I just, I just, oh hear people, my God, people dying if you don't have an Apple Watch. That's yeah. All I it's, hear. It was these, it was like a series of three recordings of people using their Apple Watch to like call like emergency services. And it's basically saying like they had an Apple Watch, so they lived. <laughs> like yeah. it was. Like and they kept playing every single ad for every single NFL. As someone who just bought a house and doesn't live with anybody or doesn't have a room in it, or right now at this point, it probably will make me want to get an Apple Watch. I used to have an Apple Watch. I actually have a hilarious story how I broke my Apple Watch. I I broke it rollerblading, 
I was going up a bike trail and I actually saw Ricky Flicks' girlfriend. Shout out I, Sarah. I saw Sarah. Uh, so I, sorry if I get, I said her name. I think she's okay with that. I, <laughs> I, 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 she honked and I went to wave, right. I'm waving. And then my, my right hands towards the road. My left hand is like mid stride. You know how they have those yellow poles before you cross mm-hmm. the street on mm-hmm. a bike trail. My left arm just smashed it square, smashed it. And I looked up, I, I looked at the watch. It's just in pieces. And I was just like, F! Like I was screaming and it's like, obviously Sarah's driving by and I don't, I don't think she realized she did that, not realize. that I absolutely decimated my Apple watch. And I went to go exchange it thinking I had insurance on it. Did not have insurance on it. Just mm. devastating, devastating news. But uh, yeah, man, maybe I have to get a new Apple watch. We'll have to find that and post it on social media. The Apple watch. Oh, it, it's, it's, it, it, I still have it. I didn't throw it away. It, you have it, to, it's, it looks disgusting. It looks insane. I don't know how it, to say it. It stayed but. on, but you can press it and you would just like get fiberglass stuck in your fingertip oh. if you touched it. It was oh. just, I just like, I have to throw it this away. Um, Morbius delayed to April 1st, Ricky Flex. Do we care? No. Why do you think it's delayed? I think that they're going to get more people to see it. Omicron, um, Spider Man's still coming about. People are still seeing that. That's still, uh, Spider Man still made uh, fifty million dollars this past weekend. Would wouldn't if it came out domestically? If Morbius came out in two weeks, wouldn't that be good? Because people are just riding this wave, no way home. All of a sudden, like the numbers are starting to go down. Oh wait, well, there might be another connection to Tom Holland's Spider Man. Wouldn't you think hmm. that'd be a big deal? Where people would be like, oh yeah, let's go we see do Morbius. see the Tom Holland Spider Man in the background of the trailer, and I've mentioned that before on this podcast, which just caused. Uh, <laughs> to pick, cause embrace debate here but well, it's um, just, it just makes like why wouldn't you just capitalize off this wave you're gonna wait for it to die down you're gonna yep. april 1st and be like, oh wait this and they've been promoting it? it they've been promoting it as well so it's interesting to see they've been putting the budget towards the advertising i don't know but uh there's got to be a reason and i think they're just going the opposite what you're saying playing it's quote-unquote safe with uh the variant here playing it safe man they just made a billion dollars in seven days <laughs> A billion in seven days. Yeah, I don't know. During a pandemic, during a new variant <laughs> that's raging, I think that would that I, I would think like okay, wait, wait two weeks, wait three weeks, release it in January. You're gonna have no competition, and you're just following up no we way did, home with the same studio. Yeah. Like I'm with you. I I think that it's capitalizing on Spider Man would have been big. I think with the movie slate schedule right now, like you had Sing Two being second with 20 million but then the rest was like american underdog which isn't doing bad critically surprisingly um I don't it has like it. a 74 percent on rotten tomatoes i don't which, think those people have actually seen it well, well that's still crazy but um that matrix, might be a movie we have to review maybe um the Kingsman and the matrix each made like five million this past weekend did not do very well so this is the time to like you know what jared leto morbius let's just do it they should have just up no way home. It just makes no sense to me. Like, yeah. And screams coming out uh, on the 14th. So like, this would be the weekend to do it. Um, I'm not sure what they're thinking, but I don't know. Um, all right. And that's really all I got for the checkup this week. You want to talk about the rock at all? Just like him and Vin Diesel beefing. Sorry, Scotty furious. I, that's what I, that's the only thing I really had about that. I just honestly, 
don't like talking about Vin Diesel because I don't think he's very good. And I don't like what his project, I don't really <laughs> like his projects and I don't like the fast and furious movies, but, uh, and I don't necessarily adore the rock unless we're talking about like black Adam. So. Yeah. Well, yeah. I will say something that wasn't on the news today or the checkup. I mean, um, kit bag started uh, production today. Did it really? Yeah. And, um, Ridley Scott said, uh, there will be six major battle sequences. Six. Out of Waterloo. Like six. Like think of gladiator. You like, you have that one, but then you have a bunch of like uh, one-on-one gladiator scenes, right? Imagine six major battle sequences and kit bag with Joaquin playing Napoleon. I just got to see Joaquin in that hat. They're going to make them even shorter than like, they're going to somehow like just put like six, five people around to make them seem that much shorter or something. Yeah. I don't know what they're going to do. Like, yeah, they just got to add monsters around them. Um, Yeah. Uh, Interesting tidbit there. Ricky flex tidbit, but uh, trailer roundup. I only had one trailer here. Uh, Peaky blinders season six. Um, I'm interested. I actually, I adore this show. Uh, although I don't necessarily remember exactly what happened at the end of season five. I, uh, I thought I, they killed the fascist. I, I'll be honest here. Did not watch season five. What? It was, in oh Birmingham. my God. Yeah, I love no. that season. I watched seasons one through four as they came out, like on top of it the entire time. Crazy. But after season four, I said, you know what? I don't know if I could do it anymore. I like, so the I'm taking a stuff. break. I'm, I just, I took a break. That's all. Man, I just kind of, I didn't really spoil anything, but like Sam Claflin's like, like fat, like fascist, like political party member is an electric character, in my opinion. I think he was, he was a pretty uh, entertaining to watch. I will, I will watch it at some point, but I can't promise I will watch it. Like, did you watch the trailer? I watched the first five seconds with the Tommy gun and that's it. So I can't, I'm not going to say anything else. I'd be spoiled. Yeah. Yeah. You know, but there's a huge thing I was about to say. And thank God I didn't. Well, I'll, I'll unplug for 15 seconds here. No, 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 okay. no. I'm not going to do it because I'm afraid other people haven't seen it now, too. I don't want to be the person to ruin this. It was one of the Just go most, see it. I didn't love the surprise that was in it, but it was like shocking. It was shocking when it happened. And I think those who watched the last season of Peaky Blinders know exactly what I'm talking about. But we are getting a movie to wrap up this story after season six. Right. And, and uh, that's why I will have to see seasons five. Oh yeah. Let me know if you want to watch that again. After I crush (laughs) Yellowstone in the matter of a few weeks, I will uh, definitely, I'm going to rewatch. I I only watched the first two seasons of Yellowstone or three seasons. There's four now. I I don't. I've talked about how much I love Peaky Blinders on this show back in early mid 2021 when I was crushing it. And uh, I love the historical. But Dr. O, I will say, I told myself New Year's resolution, watch more current movies. I gotta, I gotta, I, I will watch this to keep up for the movie, but I can't just keep diving into TV shows. Except Peacemaker. It's just one which, season. It's one season. It's like eight episodes. Yeah. I will at some point. Okay. Well, that's going to do it for the checkup, and that's going to do it for the trailer roundup this week. We will now move on to our review of Matrix Resurrection.
All right, Ricky Flex. We have our, seems like our annual terrible Christmas release that hits streaming. We have The Matrix Resurrections as the review this week. We're going to get you the, the synopsis, the IMDb, the Rotten Tomatoes, the whole shebang. Then we're diving deep. Um, I, I believe at this point, everyone's seen The Matrix that is going to see The Matrix because of the availability on HBO Max. So, synopsis reads, if I can scroll down to it. To find out if his reality is a physical or mental construct, Mr. Anderson, a.k.a. Neo, will have to choose to follow the White Rabbit once more. If he's learned anything, it's that choice, while an illusion is still the only way out of or into the Matrix. Neo already knows what he has to do, but what he doesn't yet know is that the Matrix is stronger, more secure, and far more dangerous than ever before. This uh, movie has a 65% critical score on Rotten Tomatoes, 64% audience audience score, and a lousy 5.7 out of 10 on IMDb. Ricky Flex, let's take the red pill. Tell me what your expectations were going into this movie, and uh, in your opinion, did the, did it live up to them? I don't know. I I'm so conflicted with this movie. I didn't think it was very good, but Upon rewatch, I thought it was a lot better than my original thinking, but my expectations were all over the place too. I didn't want this to happen at first. Just let the story die at the end of the trilogy. There, it ended out controversially, but still, we could just let it end. But now you bring back Neo, you bring back Trinity, right? And this new Matrix. And it's very different. It was a lot of explaining, a lot of trying, a lot of uh, exposition, trying to explain where the Matrix has gone. I know there was an Animatrix movie that came out. Um, series. I think that did that come series. out? Did that come out before the ma- original Matrix came out? The I'm Animatrix? not sure, uh, but it was I'm like it up. It just shows like how explains how the Matrix was created, basically, and like the apocalyptic war and everything going on. Uh, basically, okay. it is a film. Okay. I just don't know. This movie didn't. I think the third act was very bad. Um, I think a lot of the action sequences, which made the Matrix in 1999, number one, were a lot better. And that was over 20 years ago. Not just, I think also like the core, like the actual fighting was a lot better there too. I don't know if that's just Lawrence Fishburne. I don't know. But I think that was a lot better there too. (laughs) Lawrence Fishburne, master of Kung Fu. (laughs) But I just, I don't know. There's this is this movie rubbed me the wrong way, basically, is what I'm getting down to. I don't know about you, but it just rubbed me the wrong way. This movie sucked. No, <laughs> this movie sucked. It's just terrible. And the thing is, like, I listened to a couple reviews on this. I watched it for a second time. Uh, and what I gotta say is that if you are a Matrix fan, this was a complete letdown. This was a complete late letdown. But if you are a Wachowski's fan of the Wachowskis, right? And like the, obviously the Matrix, and they, they've done uh, Jupiter Ascending, Cloud Atlas, Speed Racer, like a bunch of like cult classic type of films or cult, cult fandom they have. Mm-hmm. Um, and they are very unique filmmakers. What they did with the franchise here is they basically made a critique on Hollywood today, but used their own IP to do it with the Matrix. So there are so many examples in this movie. You talk about the fighting. Like there are so many, like even I, I forgot what the name of, I think it's the Merv, the Merv. I don't know what group that was that the 
uh, Agent Smith called in, right? John DeGroff's character. And uh, the, the entire time they're having that whole fight sequence. And he's this character, this like wildling type of thing is yelling out. We're lack this fighting, this lacking originality, this boom, boom, boom. They're literally screaming this as they're fighting. And they're kind of making fun of what fans want with this movie. Like they literally didn't have any of the Kung Fu scenes that we loved in the original. Right. Then the, they had they, the one they they had maybe one Are you the, talking the about callback to the original uh, with Morpheus. And yes. And that's like a whole nother thing where I thought the fight sequence there wasn't even at the same level of Agreed. the original 1999 film. But I like I just felt like it was extremely meta, extremely meta where you have like Jonathan Groff in the beginning of the movie saying, oh, here we go. They want us to make a sequel to our video game, right? We don't necessarily feel like we need to. And then it's here we go. It's we're here we go. We're back to the Matrix. Literally a quote from the movie, right? And it's just, it felt like they didn't want to. The, I should say Lana Wachowski, the director, didn't want to make this movie. But if they were, if they did make this movie, which they did, they did it in a way to kind of make fun of Hollywood today and expectations set by fans and how there is no originality in the, the uh, industry today. Did yeah, you really the, feel you? I, I'm assuming you felt that vibe too throughout the watching. movie. The movie was incredibly self-aware. They even mentioned too Warner much. Brothers specifically, and yeah, the Jonathan Jonathan Groff and the, all the the Warner the the video game huddles and the, that montage of them pitching the next trilogy. That was just so cringeworthy. And throughout this movie, they just kept doing self-aware things with real life, like what's actually going on, and it just gave me a lot of Space Jam vibes. Okay, so in terms of that, like recognizing IP, right? Mm -hmm. So it seems like they took advantage of like flashbacks a lot in this movie. And it was not subtle whatsoever. When they went to Jonathan Groff's character, the first time you see him, he's looking out a window. And then you see a quick flashback to Agent Smith, played by Hugo Weaving in the original trilogy. You have uh, the Kung Fu sequences where you have this modal of Lawrence Fishburne looking back at the old mate, uh, Morpheus, right? Uh, the real Morpheus. And he's looking and watching their Kung Fu scenes. He's watching their sit downs with Keanu, right? And they're just constantly calling back to the original, but it's like almost reminding me as the viewer, like the original was 10 times better than what I'm watching right in front of me. You know, yeah, I just, it, was it was constantly it, reminded me. It's just very interesting directing choice to do that. I, it made things more confusing to me as well. And just also kept reminding me, damn, this, this movie sucks compared to the original. Like, it's so bad. But and like intentionally sucks, too. Like, they, they intentionally don't want it to be, like, as good as the original, or they don't want to do the same thing the original did. So that's why, as a Matrix fan, if you want to see these insane kung fu sequences, if you want to see, uh, I, I, I don't even know what else, just basically that and have, like, the ideas relevant and similar to the original, like, it was going to piss you off as a viewer. Like I'm not a big Wachowski's fan, but I love the 1999 matrix. Mm-hmm. So when I go, I talk about expectations coming into this movie. I'm expecting to see Keanu Reeves kicking butt, Neo kicking butt. And we didn't really have that in this movie as well. It, oh, like he just had some fake powers in the movie. He just, that, he just used like the protecting thing nonstop. Like the, the fake shield. He just yeah. used that all the time. He just literally was the easiest acting job of all time for Keanu Reeves. He just had to go like this all movie. Yeah. And just like like blocking. Proud his hands out. That's all he had to do. I I was actually really mad at that in the third act too. And I think just to kind of wrap up uh, the point about the 
flashbacks and going back to the 1999 versions that this movie did rely on it. It relied on going back these, the, the connection that the audience such as us have had to the matrix, the 1999 version. And I think this movie was also just kind of just pivot here. It relied on it so much, not just the love and affections that we have towards it, but also the actual story and the plot. And it's like, you had to have watched the first three all in a row, like a marathon, and then just seamlessly go to this movie. It's like it, you had to watch every single Matrix to watch this, like right right before watching this one, to really fully understand it. And I think definitely on the rewatch, it really helped to rewatch it, but I don't suggest anyone rewatching this. Uh, it doesn't stand well on its own. There's, there's like, as we said, there's so many callbacks, even to Revolutions, which like I made sure Definitely to watch. To I watched the original Matrix, obviously. I watched Reloaded. I skipped Revolutions because I just didn't want to put myself through it because I think it was kind of uh, pushing it that I watched Reloaded again. And then I watched this movie. I'm like, damn, like they really didn't want to have the stand out its own. It kind of makes sense. They released on HBO Max where you can watch all of these movies in a row and have this type of marathon. So I kind of understand that and I get that. Um, but let's just kind of like refocus here and uh, let's, 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 I just want to ask you, right. Agent Smith and Morpheus, two iconic characters in the matrix franchise, right? It's hard to argue. I, I might pose this afterwards, which one is more significant to the franchise, but we have uh, agent Smith this time being portrayed by Jonathan Groff as a modal that is created by Keanu Reeves. Right. And then we also have uh, Yaya Abdul Mateen playing a new Morpheus, a modal created by Keanu Reeves. Right. Originally played by Lawrence Fishburne. What did you think of these two performances in the movie with two iconic characters, Ricky Flix? Start out with, uh, let's start out with Morpheus. Okay. This, what they did with Morpheus here was just very confusing. And it's not really spoiling, right? It's like in the first 20 minutes of the movie, he's like a or first scene. He's not an actual real. He's person. an agent. Yeah. Well, yeah, but he's not real. He's a program. A, he's in a, a simulation. It's yeah. a simulation. And I think it's, it's good to say that Lawrence Fishburne, it's not like he denied the chance to join this movie. He wasn't asked to be in this movie. I think that should be made clear for the audience here. I think that also is so disrespectful just inviting everyone else back but not Lawrence Fishburne but all right moving on from that yeah yeah I thought was not bad it just I don't know it just again rubbed me the wrong way that he was just a simulation and then it seemed like he served his purpose uh in the first two acts in the movie where like you have the fight scene towards the middle of the second act and then it's like he should have just not been in the rest of the movie I think it also just made it confusing that there's a I don't know what to call it like he wasn't actually like a bo- human body. Yeah. Yeah. So that was where I thought actually there was some cool uh, technology being used where he, he's just a modal. Like he's like, he's just a program made by Keanu yeah. Reeves. So he existed like basically almost like silver beads that formed his face. Right. He was never a full person after the Kung Fu scene for the rest of the movie. Yeah. And I don't know. That also rubbed me the wrong way. I, just, I, I don't know. It's just, that was confusing and weird. I thought he was his, the explanation of him in the movie was very confusing. Even the second time rewatching it, I just, I just didn't understand exactly how he came to be. And uh, he, even like with the Kung Fu scene itself, like why does Keanu have to fight him in order to, I guess he just has to show that he's strong enough to like live mm-hmm. in the real world and find still the Carrie Ann Moss's Trinity. 
right? But like, I, I just thought the iconic, like Lawrence Fishburne is so iconic as Morpheus. He is the one that is in charge of like so much exposition in the original Matrix movie, but it's not like boring to listen to him speak about it. The way he does it, the sit downs with Keanu Reeves as Neo, and see that like you're locked in watching it because the way he speaks, it's so unique. The way he looks, it's so unique. Right. And he has some uh, like a, like intensity and edge to him that is like kind of defines the original Matrix movie, right? right? And so like when you have Yaya here, and you see him wearing these like fits. He has a bar. He, he has like, a what? bar. He's dancing around. It's like a Welcome I mean, to my it's, crib. It's a, it's a yes, it's a jokey iteration of Morpheus, but it's not the real Morpheus. So they could get away with like kind of like uh, over exaggerating like his lines and like trying to make him more of a comedic element at points, right? And I don't think it's Yaya's fault. It was a direction, but given by the Wachowskis, and I think it's basically it just doesn't do service to what Lawrence Fishburne did. I rather they just made a different character as a whole and not name him Morpheus. Or yeah. maybe, and then you also talked about like bringing him in the third act at all, having him help out. Just keep him in there, get him back, have him be an essential role to get Neo back to the real world and out of the Matrix. Then he should have just ended there. Yeah, I literally wrote that down too in my notes here. I just said he should have just been a recruiter and then left. He served his purpose. Boom, you don't need him anymore. Why just confuse us more and then make the it just Again, rub me the wrong way. Yeah, and then um, and I, nothing against Yaga. I love him, and I, I think that he does have a good Morpheus voice. Like he he brought something like it, it kept like the um, the formality of it, right? It just had a little bit more flavor to it, and it was just a little more flamboyant, uh, flamboyant for a Morpheus character that we're like like Matrix fans are used to. So that's also like going to the point where like if you're a Matrix fan and you want to see Morpheus. And you say, oh, yeah, yeah, it's an exciting actor to take on a young Morpheus is what we all thought we were getting. And then to see like how it's kind of being portrayed on screen, you're like, yeah. Yeah. And then like just starting the movie with him as an agent and the way that it was shot, like it was um, like in the digital format. You know, you notice that like the digital, like in that first scene, that first like 10 minutes. The recreation of the first Matrix. Right. It just that threw really me off too. It, it just it threw me too. off, very disorienting, which I think is supposed to be that. But what I really didn't like is that it put me in a bad mood. It put me in a bad mood when I'm watching Matrix Resurrections. Like you're watching a film franchise, and they just put and this is for the audience or for viewers that are fans of the franchise, and they just put you in a bad mood right in the beginning. What do you mean by a bad mood? Like, like I didn't like. I, yeah, he's an agent. I don't like how this is just like a. It just made made me confused. Recreating this whole scene with with this fake Trinity, this Bugs character that you don't know yet, who I didn't think was that that bad, but just not of Lawrence Fishburne caliber with the exposition throughout the movie, and then just Morpheus. Just I don't know. Take everything was just disorienting. I didn't like that. I thought it was disorienting. I just because you had like literally that. Yeah, yeah, as an agent right in the beginning, like seeing that it made me confused. I didn't necessarily like it or I, or I didn't necessarily hate it either. I just like I was just like kind of confused going in. And my confusion in the first act was on a scale of one to ten. It was at a probably an eight. <laughs> like I was, was pretty confused um, trying to listen in to what was actually happening for this movie, how Keanu is designing his experiences through this video game. And then and they the- have like the 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 guy that you know he's at the the computer like getting people in and out of the matrix 
Yep. You know, they have him like in the matrix, like they show him inside it, like as a simulation. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't like that either. Like why do that? Like, it's like a force just, ghost. Yeah. You know? like, like what we can just hear his voice. Like we did with tank in the original matrix. And like, they just go back and forth between the actual like computer, like where he's at sitting at the computer and then the matrix, like they didn't have to right. do that at all. And we, and speaking of Morpheus now, let's, let's go on to, um, Jonathan Groff's Agent Smith, who we find out is Agent Smith later in the movie. Um, the actual agent, like, oh, the, um, like, same thing with Morpheus, like, also created by, right, maybe unintentionally by Neo. So, Jonathan Groff, what do you think of his performance here? Uh, also in the same vein as a Yaya, as Morpheus, a little more lighthearted here. And what do you think of, like, the meta references he continued to make throughout the movie? I didn't like the meta references. I don't like the exiles that he brought back. That whole scene I thought was also terrible. And then <laughs> I didn't, I just didn't like the meta references and the self-awareness from him because he was like the main proponent of it. But I will say I do like Jonathan Groff. I do like him a lot. And I think he did pretty well in the action sequences. Again, I don't think it's near the trilogy, uh, original trilogy here in the action sequences and the fighting. But I thought for someone that, you know, Hamilton, Mindhunter, like, he was pretty good. Like I was shockingly surprised. Yeah, non-physical roles for the most part, and I thought he was, like, I don't know. He's he's a cool dude. Like he was cool. Yeah. Like Agent Smith in the original is not really cool. He's just intimidating. Yeah, and then they, he uh, brings away like I'm, and then when I looked in the mirror and I realized who I was, called himself perfect. Perfect. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's like also that's the self awareness we're talking about where it's like yeah like if I'm talking Jonathan Groff and Hugo Weaving one's got like starry blue eyes not a wrinkle on his face perfect hair right. new flashy sunglasses uh, new flashy glasses that he's wearing even Morpheus is wearing those too mm-hmm. it was just like they tried to separate themselves from like the originals but if you're a Matrix fan like those two characters are so integral to the franchise yeah it's so integral so if you have like this um this different iteration of him, maybe uh, if you have this different iteration, it's going to disorient the audiences, but also it's, it's not, it's not going to make you ever think like, Oh my God, this is like, you're like, it's better than the original. It's impossible to surpass those. And I don't impossible. think they came close to be honest. Yeah, no, definitely not. Um, also just Mindhunter season three, somehow figure it out. Fincher and Gruff figure it out. Need that to happen for sure. Uh, you talk about bugs. Uh, played by Jessica Henwick in this movie. Uh, we brought up the exposition scenes with her, not as entertaining as with Morpheus. Morpheus like gets you locked into those scenes and they make you just hyped. And like you, they, he actually educates you. He's like a teacher in that moment to not only Neo, but, but to the compelling. audiences. Yeah. And so what do you think of bugs in this movie beyond just her exposition scenes? And uh, do you think there's a future for her at, within this matrix franchise? I, well, I don't know if you saw the quotes from Keanu. Uh, he said, because like, like Lana Wachowski did this one, but without Lily. So this is the first time they didn't do a film together. So she was solo. And Keanu this week said that he doesn't think that they'll do another Matrix movie. Yeah, but I, 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 I'm not. I know we're going to get to this in a little bit, but I wouldn't be surprised if Warner Brothers continues to make like a Matrix series or maybe has a Matrix movie without the Wachowskis. Without the Wachowskis. Be, do, well, do you know this whole thing? They didn't like Warner Brothers wanted yeah. to make a Matrix movie, right. right? And then the Wachowskis said, "We don't really want to make a Matrix movie." And then they said, "Well, we're going to do it with or without you." And though, so they made the movie, and I think I would say Warner Brothers would not have the Wachowskis back to make another one because they just made fun of their old franchise throughout this entire movie with the self awareness. 
So I think there, w- there could be another Matrix project, but I don't think the Wachowskis will be involved. I don't know. Uh, I think after this one, I don't know if they, Warner Bros. wants to do another one. Maybe. I don't know. Let's just lock in on Jessica Hamwick, though. What do you think about her as Bugs? I don't think she was bad. It's just hard to compare because she had the same role as Morpheus in the original trilogy. So it's just tough to compare, you know, because you, you're just thinking like she's you're trying to she's trying to win you over with this exposition. She's trying to educate you, but it's just not as effective. And I don't I don't think she was bad, but it's just not going to be anything out of this world, I thought. Yeah, I I don't. What has she been in? Do you know Jessica Henwick? Do you know, you know what's her uh, what's her IMDb look like? Um, I not off the top of my head, but I could look it up because she seemed all like very familiar to me as I watched her and I heard her speak. I think she's done like like action. She's in Knives Out too, and she's going to be really? in The Gray Man. Okay, so that's another action film franchise that she's probably she will be a part of. She was an underwater. Uh, that's with Kristen Stewart. Yeah. Um, yeah. So she, she was in Game of Thrones for a few. Yes, seasons. that's what it was. Okay, I, I knew I recognized her from something. Game of Thrones. It seemed like she was perfect as this like, uh, like I'm almost like so appealing to millennials. I don't know why. It's just because she has that perspective of like. I know what this is like. It's like almost like a millennial watching the original Matrix. Like I've heard of this, and I know I know Trinity. I know she's about to kick their ass. And like now she says that in the movie, she right. almost has that millennial view or that, that new take or that new um, perspective, right, of the new audience. And I think that's why she's going to appeal to like younger viewers. Um, and that's why I, I wouldn't be surprised if like the, like the young viewers they are attracted to bugs rather than like Neo and Trinity. Like after Neo, watching who's not this fighting, movie. not really throwing any punches, and right. versus just and you got like, like bugs just, who's just throwing out punches on the train and things like that. Right, she's a badass, and like she, they just had she's more just as I said before, more relatable. But you brought up Keanu as Neo. Uh, what do you think about him in this movie? Do you think were you impressed by him? Was he uh, just t- tell me what, give me your thoughts on Keanu without me asking any more questions? I don't want to sound mean, but I don't think he Keanu did well in this. I don't think he acted well at all. And then when you put him next to Yaya, I, I don't think he did well. And I don't think he did well next to Jonathan Groff in the conversations they had. Even Neil Patrick Harris. It, I don't know. It just felt like his lines were forced. And I felt like it just came more naturally to these other characters who I didn't particularly love, but I love Neo and I didn't, he didn't sell me at all. And I, again, like I, really was confused by this movie and some of the directorial decisions. And Neo is one of them. And in the third act, especially. Right. I think Neo, I mean, uh, Keanu Reeves, he's a charming just by being on the screen. He's very charming. He's like, you just, he's just beloved. A, a likable and beloved figure. But I felt like it's just the way that Neo talks, even in the original matrix movies, he doesn't talk a lot. He's very, it's very minimal when he speaks and he speaks very slow Right. And he has a delivery that's very unique, but also kind of frustrating because it takes him forever to get a sentence out. So that's why they try and minimize, like, like obviously minimize the uh, dialogue he has. He try, he just doesn't capture it the same way he did in the original. And it's like always awkward sounding. And I think the look of Keanu Reeves in this movie didn't help. And I know they even made a joke about it. They talk about another like inside joke where they're, they're walking in, they're about to fight like these wild and what are these people called? Like the, before they meet agent Smith for the first time with the, with bugs and the crew and the crew behind him, the last two, 
Keanu's leading the way with bugs. They say, I don't know. Like what, like, what do you, what do you think about, uh, what do you, what do you think about Neo? And he goes like, Oh no, don't really like the beard. It doesn't seem like what I'm, <laughs> what I'm used to, whatever, but it's a, uh, maybe I can get used to it, but this is exactly like the Wachowskis or Lana Wachowski knowing what the audience is going to think about Neo. Like, I hate how it's too self-aware and it's like, let us just watch the movie and have our own opinions rather than you just like telling us what we are going to think in the movie. So it's so, it's just so unsubtle, but Keanu with the beard, long hair, you're just thinking John Wick the entire time. And then when you see him basically not have any fight sequences that even rival the John Wick franchise, you're just disappointed by after watching it. You're like, okay, I feel like I'm watching John Wick, but he can't be John Wick the entire time. Your thoughts. I honestly think you nailed it. I, uh, it doesn't help when Chaz uh, Stileski, uh, the create the creator of John Wick, director, is literally on the screen as Chad in this movie. Cool, Chad, Dad, Chad, and I, I think he was the one. Is he the one that actually says like I like about the new look? He might have been the one that actually said that. So the, it, I, it it was it was um two people that were in the squad. Okay. Um, that were in like the matrix uh, in the re- real world, going back to the matrix, helping out bugs and Neo. Oh, okay. The okay. Historian, the historian. Again, historian. Oh yeah. The guy it who is... follows everything Neo. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know. I think you hit it. I think you covered it. So I, I, I like going through all these different characters because the cast, I just find so fascinating. Neil Patrick Harris as the analyst and the, the therapist in this movie. Um, once again, just slamming you over the head with the blue glasses, like right, like symbolizing the blue pill, right? The, like the you know, he's wearing the entire time, and we find out that this analyst is the one who has created this new matrix, okay, and is the one who has resurrected Neo and Trinity, okay. So, what did you think of Neil Patrick Harris in this movie? Uh, I know I was shocked to like have him here, just because like you knew he was gonna be more you knew he was gonna be like villainous just because you know neil patrick harris and his attitude and like when he's in these type of movies like he rarely does these movies so when he's in it you're like oh it's got it's got to be something villainous but what do you think about like the size of his role and how he did i so in the first two acts i really liked him and his role just being a therapist that just seems so neil patrick harris just very uh zen and (laughs) Very zen, but also Calm, very, like, cool, collected. Right, but also like I don't know, quick witted as well. Still, and by by the end, it's just complete turnaround. And I just I like this original. Comes the main villain. It's yeah. I I uh, was complete like I I wasn't shocked because you could kind of you know he's the analyst right like kind of like the architects. There's someone that's controlling basically what's going on here. Makes sense. I just think that I don't know. I liked him. In his prior, in the first two thirds of this movie, first half of this movie, I really liked him, and then it just I did a one eighty on it towards the end. So I once again, I think him his performance was actually good. I enjoyed it. Uh, one that I was actually more welcome to than Groff and Yaya, just because he doesn't have to fill in the shoes of a Groff or Yaya with Lawrence Fishburne and uh, Hugo Weaving right? The two most recognizable characters in the matrix. Um, but I, I did like the, the, the juxtaposition, like the um, exposition part where he is explaining how he created this new world. 
right? He's got the deja vu cat with him. He is firing a bullet at Trinity. Okay. It's in slow-mo and he's just basically explaining everything. I thought that was the most I understood the movie. <laughs> like that was like where I was just like, Oh, okay. Now I get it. Where the first part with the modals, the simulations, the matrix versus the real world, there was just too much going on. And then this video game aspect and the flashbacks, I was like, I don't, I really don't like get it. But when he explained that what he did specifically, I was like, yeah, I, I think I understand this now and where it's clicking. I felt like I was actually smart. Like as I was watching it, but I do want to say about that scene. And this also is, I think is the matrix and the Wachowskis making fun of themselves when they do like the slow-mo and the lagging, right? What was one of the most iconic moments of the original matrix is Neo dodging bullets, right? right. It looks incredible. This was a, it felt like I was watching you on a bad connection zoom, just lagging right. so hard where your face is stretching. I, I, it's just like, I, I was like, this is too frustrating and infuriating to watch. So although I love Neil Patrick Harris with the villainous voice and like the portrayal of the analyst, I just didn't like the actual slow-mo in that scene. What Matrix is like known for. Yeah, no. And they even make fun of that too. in like the, in the Warner, in the video game montage meetings where the guy's like, what is the Matrix? He literally says like, what's the Matrix known for? Is it was slow-mo. Uh, then he does like the, the moves to dodge it in slow-mo. It's like, that's what the Matrix is known for. And you didn't capitalize on that. So I see what you're saying there. They're just way too in on the joke the entire movie. Like, I, like Space Jam gonna, vibes, I'm telling you. Like, if you're going to do that. Yeah. So it is like Space Jam. If you want to make that comparison. Yes. And like the I like it's just like recognizing nostalgia to the point where it makes you almost sickened by it. And that might have been the like actual intentions of Lana Wachowski, which is like aggravating as an audience member but if you're a member of the wachowski fan cult you're just like this is awesome this is awesome look at the creative minds here no one else can make a movie like this and she's i'm like you're making a fourth matrix movie and you're trying to introduce it to a new audience and you're implementing all this nostalgia while also making fun of it at the same time so i'm just like this is like this is like the worst combination for a blockbuster movie like that warner brothers obviously wants to heavily invest in to me, that was just like, they're just clearly, she just doesn't care if it's like regarding anything that is similar to like the elements that made the first one such a smash. It's just like, they, it's just right out the window. You know what I mean? Sadly, yes. Okay. Uh, so I kind of brought this up earlier. Do you want to see anything else next for the uh, Matrix franchise? No. Done? No, I'm, I am done with the Matrix. Done. They didn't, you know in the end, they didn't have to do this movie. This didn't. This movie didn't do anything. I think the first three. I don't think they're perfect as a as a trilogy as a whole. But you know what? From front to back, front to end, like it worked. It worked. And I know the ending to the trilogy. A lot of people don't like. But you know what? It did work. And I thought that was just you know open and shut case there. Now you open up all this, and I don't know what's going to happen next. And especially with the ending to this movie, it's like. All right, are we setting up for something Neo crazy? Yeah, like what are we setting up for now? But creating the next like matrix or creating a new world. I don't know. Like it's just and like clearly after the first matrix, like he's the one. And it's just a coming of age story, a love story between you know Trinity and figuring out that. he's the one. There's a clear direction every single movie. This one just there's no clear direction. And you don't even have Jonathan Groth Smith as the main villain, so you know that. 
like Warner Brothers is thinking, all right, we got the analyst story out of the way. Now let's just focus the next two movies on Smith versus Neo Infinity or something like that. I don't know. And honestly, I don't care. It's it. It's this is where I will go. Like, I don't think we got a clear end to Smith's story whatsoever. Like, I like, I, I, like, I think he's the villain again. Yes. But I'm also saying like, like him at the end of this movie, it was just like after the bar scene done, like, like I'll call, I'll see you. And it's almost like, I'll see you again or like whatever. Why not just fight right there? He's like, we're not done here. And I'm like, okay. So if you're not fighting now, I assume there's going to be another movie or project where you're fighting. And, uh, uh, I wanted to say, I want to talk about the ending because you brought up Neo and Trinity because they are, their love story is kind of like the core of the Matrix franchise. Like we talk about the recognizable characters. What is the, what, when you break down everything in the Matrix, right? It comes down to the characters with Neo, Trinity, right? And they're stronger together. And that's what this movie kind of emphasizes. What did you think of the beginning of the third act where Neo goes uh, to the Simulate? Has, and has a conversation with Trinity to reveal that she is truly a part of a matrix at this point and that she really belongs with him in the real world. What did you think of the way the Wachowskis kind of took care of the analyst with this nonviolent resolution? Wait, wait. So you're talking about the one where there's people like everywhere in the coffee. The cops. Shop? The cops are all around there. They they go sit down. They basically Neo has to convince her, and like you have okay Neo so, making a deal, saying like, "Hey, okay." So I didn't. Know. Now I'm getting lost. I didn't know that was. I thought I didn't know it was the beginning of the third act. I don't know. I'm, is it? I'm, is I'm it getting lost. I, I, was, I thought it's, it was it's, more towards the end, but whatever. I think that, be, I know what scene you're talking about now. Yeah, it's like 25 minutes left of the movie. Yes. Yeah, so. so it's just such a serious conversation with all these people around. I know that they're not real, but like, come on, that's just so weird. And then you bring in the kids and then Chad and like, what the heck's going on there? And they acknowledge it at the very end of the movie. But like, I don't know. It was crazy. It was just all over the place. And it was like the final sequel, like the, that's like the core of the movie, I would say like the climax right there. And it's not even a fight scene. Yeah. So like, when I said when I said it, it, I would say it's the climax. That is the climax. I'm 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 saying like when I said the third act, that's probably where you have like Priyanka Chopra and what's her face and Obi Jada Pickett Smith like coming together and then like thinking yeah. of a plan. Yeah. 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 So yeah, I th- I thought like I was sorry. I was enough. just confused for a second. No, but I I just think that the that's the cl- like that is supposed to be like oh wow we are getting serious here like that is the serious most serious part. That's the most. Like that's going to be the part you uh, leave the movie theater with. And it just, again, I've been saying a lot, rub me the wrong way. Terribly done. I thought it was just very awkward. And we're just, this is the matrix known for slow-mo fighting that we just talked about in Kung Fu. And we're talking about, we're in a stimulate talking around all these people. Simulate. Simulate. Like what are we doing? (laughs) Again, this movie didn't have to be made. No. No, and I, I just didn't like how like it was building up to this huge Neo fight sequence because you didn't feel like Neo is at the peak of his powers. He couldn't even fly ever. He like you didn't feel like he was at the peak of his powers. And you thought like this third act, always oh, reunited with Trinity. They're both gonna be at their, their at their peak strength, like in this movie when they're together. And then we just see we don't really get that Neo moment where he's just kicking ass. Like it just doesn't happen. You know, he's just using his hands, like using the force somehow from something I don't even remember him being able to do other than him putting up the hand like this and stopping the bullets. But it's just, they just, 
don't know. It's just you. It was just easy for him to not pull punches. Didn't have to use a gun the entire movie. Like he did it's the like your critique ones. of Tom Holland's Spider Man and Homecoming. Yeah, where he doesn't hit. It's just like, come on, you don't want to see a superhero fight? Like, Snow, remember this conversation we had the drive-in uh, earlier, I think, of last year? Is Neo a superhero? He wasn't. He, he sort of was in this movie. He was one, one, one that's like a lower-tier Avenger. Lower-tier Avenger. It, it, it didn't, this movie didn't help him help his case there. Right. All right, let's start with some scores. Ricky Flex, what did you give The Matrix Resurrections? Thinking. I, I had a score coming into this review, but now I'm just like, I don't even know. Like, let me go. You, you could tell, like, oh, and you can definitely tell that I'm just lost with this, like, the goal of this movie, the drive here. I, I just don't know what th- this was This was supposed to be. I'm this really a, confused. All I got to say is, I at the end of the day, with all, like, the meta stuff going on, and with like think considering what the what Lana Wachowski wanted to accomplish here, at the end of the day, did you have a good time watching this movie? I cannot say I had a good time watching this as a fan of the 1999 Matrix film, especially. So I'm going to give this a 46, 46 out of 100 for Doctor O. Okay, 38, <laughs> 38. I, I raised it a couple. I 38. Yeah. Second, I watched this twice. And both times I didn't enjoy it. The second time I enjoyed it more, but the third act was even worse the second time I watched it versus the first two acts I thought were better and clearer. But I shouldn't have to watch it twice to make it for that to be the case. Kind of an off the walls review, just because it was hard to explain what was going on. I'm gonna have to put a disclaimer that it's, this is all spoilers. It's yeah. this, is, this review is all spoilers. I know I said in the beginning, I'll have to edit it out that we'll do non-spoiler and spoiler, but we kind of just got carried away and started talking about how much this movie sucked. Yeah, and. Another thing that we didn't talk about that also, again, rubbed me the wrong way is Niobe. Like, what a, like, terrible character. Just irrelevant. Like, why do you, like, you had to bring anyone back and Jada Pinkett Smith. And first of all, Keanu, they, like, making him they look 20 him. years. Making him. Making, yeah, but also they make him look 20 years younger than Jada Pinkett Smith. And, like, it's just, like, to me, that was just, like, okay. They're really doing her dirty a little bit. They make it yeah, look as old yeah. as possible. And Io, witch is, doctor looking. Yeah, witch doctor, yeah. Like, prize of the Caribbean type thing going yes. on there but uh also io like instead of like obviously zion's not no longer but we're calling it io terrible name for a city and still terrible to live in like why would you ever want to live there yeah it's the, the best thing there is still the freaking strawberries the strawberries is the only thing that's good that makes it enticing to live there they, I, who, I, I would want to stay in the matrix too bud I, yeah i would want to stay in the matrix screw that no this it doesn't compare to the original not whatsoever, but I wouldn't want to live in there. Uh, I know either. Um, that's going to do it for our review of the Matrix Resurrections. We will now move on to our top billing draft for the most anticipated movies of 2022. All right, Ricky Flex, top billing time. The first of 2022. Happy New Year to all the listeners. We have our top billing draft of the most anticipated movies for the upcoming calendar year. Ricky Flex, do you have a coin on you to decide who's going first? Sure do, Doc. All right, we're going to test the theory. I'm going tails. Test the theory. If you So what we've, first of all, what we've realized, I flipped the coin last week. Ricky Flex called it. He won. I had won the past like three or four coin flips. 
So we were wondering if it's based on who's flipping the coin. So Ricky flip is flipping again this week, right? And I'm going to call it, and we're going to see if this theory lives on. So I'm going to go with tails. Here we go. Survey says. It's heads. Wow. Wow. So it's over. The curse has ended. The curse has been lifted. Curse is lifted. Perfect. So Ricky Flex, I assume you're going to take the first pick in this draft? That is correct, Dr. O. All right, Ricky Flex, kick off our most anticipated moves of 2022 draft with your number one overall pick. Okay. So number one pick here I think is easy. Whether you're a comic book fan or not, I think this is the easiest one one. And it's going to be the Batman on March 4th. The hell are you supposed to be? I'm vengeance. Uh, the Batman is, is arguably the greatest comic book character of all time. Robert Pattinson. Let's see how he does. Let's see how he does. Taking on the mantle. And I will say as well, it's not just him, but this is its own Batman universe that this movie is starting with. We don't just have a trilogy coming, but we have TV shows and a lot of money being put into this and a lot of star power, this cast, rumors of Joker being in this movie, the trailer. You've said it's the greatest show of all time. I say it it's right there. I'm going to go with the Batman. Easiest one, one, in my opinion, for me, ever in this podcast. So- so the Batman had the greatest trailer of 2020. It had the greatest trailer of 2021. And now we're about to have the most anticipated movie of 2022 with the actual film. Um, all I ask is no more trailers. All I ask is no more trailers. The last one was teetering on too much where I was like, ah, maybe we don't have to know so much about the story regarding Batman's relationship to Selena Kyle, Batman's relationship to the Riddler. Okay. I don't want to know anything else. All right. All I know is this looks super cool. And I want to be have a, I want to have that shock factor when I hit the theaters. Thank God. That, I know there was discussion about the, them implementing a Joker in this new trailer still up in the air, whether Barry Cogan is going to be playing this person or not. Right. But I'm glad that they decided not to show it. Give us a surprise factor. And I'll be shocked if they don't show it. And I won't even be mad if they don't. Right. At this point. Like I'll be like, oh, they didn't show it, which means like, oh, we're gonna go with the next one. I just, I'll be, be, it's almost like I would be shocked if he doesn't show up. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, But yeah, I mean, which performance in this movie are you most looking forward to watching? I think clearly Robert Pattinson. See how he does, right? Twilight Boy. Put him aside. Batman Man. But besides Batman, I would definitely say Paul Dano, the Riddler. Mm. But I'll just give you an under the radar pick here. Let's go. Andy Serkis is Alfred. Oh, yeah. What what in the trailer? There's something that he did that Bruce Wayne is not happy with. So Andy Serkis is going to have a role in this movie that is getting played under the radar. So I'm interested to see his iteration of the iconic Alfred Pennyworth, who who we've seen great iteration from Michael Caine and others. So we'll see. He lied to me, Alfred. In that line in the trailer, you know there's something that he is keeping regarding the Waynes, regarding what's gone down in their family, that Pattinson, it's obviously that they're diving into Gotham, seeing what the Waynes' relationship to this like criminal underworld potentially that's happening or to like the, the corruption or problems within Gotham. So that could be fascinating. Every time we've seen the Waynes, they've been portrayed as like 
the golden family of Gotham that got slain. Are we going to see a different type of Wayne family here? One that has is maybe portrayed in, as a philanthropic family, as this was teased in the last trailer. But also, what are they hiding? Is something that is something going to be revealed that is going to rub Bruce Wayne the wrong way, and it's going to put a rift between his relationship with Alfred? So I'm psyched to see that two spinoff shows on the way. Going to be an amps like it's it's lining up to be an absolute smash, and it's sneaking up on us March fourth, twenty twenty two. We're we're Literally two months away. This is crazy. Crazy, crazy, crazy. That's a great first overall pick, Ricky Flex. Any other thoughts before we move on? No, I'm interested to see where you go now. The board is wide open now. So let's see where you go. This is wide open. Wide open. Do I stay superhero or do I go elsewhere? I think I'm going to go elsewhere. I'm going to go with a movie we talked about last week. Second overall pick, my first rounder. I'm going to go with The Northman as my second most anticipated movie of 2022. I want to avenge you, father. I want to save you, mother. I want to kill you, father. So I've been seeing these lists on Twitter where the Fandango's running some risque tweets about the most anticipated movies, performers, whatever, coming out in 2022. And they're, they're putting some BS surveys out here that don't have the Northman even close to one of the top 10 most anticipated movies of 2022, right? We're going to talk about some other movies that made that list and that tweet that I found very controversial, but the Northman, Robert Eggers, first film since 2019, insane cast that we've talked about, highlighted by Anya Taylor-Joy, Willem Dafoe, Ethan Hawke, Nicole Kidman, but we're looking at a potential breakthrough for the Alexander Skarsgård who had a breakthrough 2021. Can he kind of raise his level, right, in 2022? Revenge epic, Shakespearean story we talked about, right? Taking up the throne from the uncle that has seized it. Skarsgård, Eggers, revenge, Scandinavian film, Vikings, death, witches, give us all of it. Northman, second most anticipated film of 2022. Yeah, like Viking Revenge Thrower with an awesome cast, awesome director who's very well known for making these horror, suspenseful mysteries. Like, sign me up. Sign me up. Sign him up. All right. So now, with that being said, I have a tough decision to make here. And I think I'm staying away from superhero movies for the second pick. Just kick off the second round, I should say. And I got to go with one that has not really been announced for 2022 necessarily. People thought it, what, it potentially was going to come December of 2021, but I'd say it's a safe bet that we're getting Killers of the Flower Moon. And I would say the first half of 2022, an Apple TV release with the Holy Trinity. We're talking Scorsese, DiCaprio, De Niro. Okay. And then guess what? DiCaprio and De Niro aren't even the leads in the Scorsese flick. Who is it? Who's getting the top billing here? Our plump boy, Jesse Plemons, coming off a monster 2021 with the power of the dog. I'm thinking of ending things. Uh, Judas and the Black Messiah. He's finally waited it out. He's worked with every great director, save for one that he had the opportunity to work with, one that, uh, on a film that is probably going to be make this, uh, this draft that we'll talk about later. But... I am beyond hyped for the Kills of the Flower Moon, early uh, 20th century movie, right? Talking about oil, like corruption with the oil industry. We got murders, okay? We got Leo in a villainous supporting role. 
presumably De Niro also alongside him in a villainous supporting role. Are you kidding me? What a duo. This is my number two, my number two overall, uh, number three overall, excuse me, most anticipated film. What are your thoughts, Flicks? This is my number two. This is what I would have taken first if this slipped to me. You said it, the whole Trinity, Scorsese, DiCaprio, De Niro, just three of the biggest names in the history of Hollywood. Like, it's, it's huge. And Leo, back in the villainous role, saw him in Cal- as Calvin Candy that we talked about last week on the draft. And Jesse Plemons, to see if he could step up here, the lead role. He We've seen him a lot in the, like, playing a cop, right? Or just very, like, just not like us, hard, difficult roles. He's always been just a very quiet character in most of his roles. So let's see what he does here with Scorsese and next to these big time actors. So I'm excited to see him. And I don't know if you mentioned it. Maybe I missed it, but I didn't. You're about to. Brendan Fraser will be in this movie as well. Plump boy number two. So we have our plump boys in a Scorsese movie next to Leo and De Niro. Wow. I, the Brendan Fraser, the Fraser sound, the, the Renaissance. Renaissance sounds better. Is in full effect. We have him next, I mean, 2022 for Brendan Fraser. Not only is he going to be appearing in the Scorsese film, but he's going to be in the Arnofsky film, right? The Whale, which I obviously just teased to pick, but also yes. Batgirl, which I believe comes back, comes out at the end of 2022, maybe 2023. I'll double check about that. But he's lining up some major projects, all in on the Renaissance, Plum Boy number two, Ricky Flex, your second round pick. Okay, my second round pick is going to be Nope. Nope. Jordan Peele movie. He's back. Candyman, a little bit of a letdown for me, but reuniting with Daniel Kaluuya, who's coming off an Oscar. Steven Yeun, who Jesse Plumman's was supposed to be in this role before taking Kills of the Flower Moon. Steven Yeun is replacing him. Arguably an upgrade. I think an upgrade. I just finished watching Burning on uh, Prime Video. Wow. 2018 movie, uh, South Korean uh, movie. He was awesome in that. Steven Yeun, looking forward to seeing him uniting with Jordan Peele and Daniel Kaluuya and him on the screen. That's going to be awesome. So, you know, the screenplay is probably going to be amazing with Jordan Peele writing it. And we don't really know a lot about this movie, which is kind of a detractor from this pick. But I think that also the mystery behind what this could be with this cast and director. And we've gotten a poster for it, which is like just the cloud over like a like a city in the mountains or whatever. So. I'm not Something's sure it's connected to it too. So it's almost like a string of Christmas lights. It almost looks like that's coming from the cloud. <laughs> so yeah, there's not a lot going on, which kind of is a detractor for the pick, but just by the cast and director and the, just the lore of it, I'm going to, I have high hopes for it, high expectations. That's why it's going to be my second pick. Yeah. So this has, doesn't have a lot of information regarding the movie, but it's just the names that are just going to get you like excited. And the brief title that comes with a Jordan Peele movie, get out us. Nope. You know, it's just like, you know, you know, okay, here comes another banger, but Jordan Peele, he's become one of those directors that doesn't have to be associated with any type of like a superhero uh, or action franchise. And his, his movies are events for audiences. Uh, like we talk about Denny Villeneuve, uh, what he did, what he's done with Dune, what he did, what Blade Runner was eventually, what was supposed to be. And you have people like Christopher Nolan with Inception, Dunkirk, right? Beyond just a superhero IP, okay? That just creates something um, that audiences get excited for and will like go out to the theater in droves. So this one, it's I'm looking at, I'm just staring at this poster. 
like the, there's a cloud with a string on it. It's hovering mm-hmm. over. It looks like one town or city. It looks like a town in the middle of nowhere. Will this cloud just be hovering over the city for the entire movie? And then they have to figure a way to get away from the cloud. Okay. Or is the cloud potentially going to save them? What is this rope that's connected to it? I'm very excited. July's 22nd, 2022. We're getting nope. All right. Yep. Nope. And then I'm going to go with another July movie for my third pick. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to take the first comic book movie off the board. I don't know if you would consider this to be, or sorry, MCU, I should say. Which one are you going to take though? I know. And I think I'm going to be, this is going to be personal because I don't think this is going to be a lot of people's number one, but I can't wait to see Christian Bale in the MCU. Christian Bale in the MCU. Re, uh, let's get Taika Waititi back. Thor Ragnarok, 2017 movie. Yet, God, it's going to be five years since Thor Ragnarok when this comes out. A long time to see Chris Hemsworth, Taika Waititi film with Christian Bale. Natalie Portman returning as Jane Lady Foster. Thor. Lady Thor. Guardians of the Galaxy is going to be a cameo in this. Matt Damon will be in this. I'm excited for this Russell movie. Crow. Russell Crowe, he's uh, going to be um, Zeus. Zeus. So, wow. There's just so many implications. I can't wait to see what Taika does. I, I'm more excited for this than any MCU project coming out next year. So my third pick is going to be Thor Love and Thunder, July 8th. And we, and we can't forget Korg and Meek making their return. <laughs> of course. This, this has been a sequel that the MCU fandom have been looking forward to for, as you said, it's going to be five years since originally uh, Thor Ragnarok was released in theaters right ahead of Avengers Infinity War. Right. Uh, so a lot of people look at Ragnarok as maybe the best movie made within the MCU, not the biggest in scale, but just the best soul movie in the MCU. What Taika Waititi has done with the Thor character is nothing less than magic compared to the first two Thor movies. Uh, it's interesting because this is going to be Chris Hemsworth's last time around as Thor. I would say based off his energy that he gives off at the character uh, and Taika Waititi's commitment to like bringing the best possible iteration of this character on screen, we can't rule out that we could see Chris Hemsworth in the future, right? As Thor, but it's just scary because we're looking at all these other characters. We have Black Widow just had her swan song. Hawkeye, it's kind of left up for, uh, it's kind of up in the air whether he'll return, right? He's back with his family. But if I had to guess, he might make a future appearance in the MCU. Mm-hmm. What's going to happen with Chris Hemsworth's Thor? We know we already have Steve Rogers and Iron and uh, Tony Stark written out of the MCU phase one heroes. So fascinating. Let's hope Hemsworth stays in the role and we get more Taika Waititi movies. Great pick. So it's now on to me for my third round pick. Do I go superhero? That is the question we basically are debating with every single pick we take because this movie, this year is going to be insane for superhero movies. Absolutely insane. So. I'm looking at my list. Mm. Obviously. It's a big board. It's going to be a big year for movies. I know last, uh, beginning of this year, I said this is going to be one of the best years in the history of movies. Next year looks great. Looks great. I'm going to go with my first superhero movie, but it's probably not the one you think I'm going to pick. I'm taking Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse Part 1. That's the one I thought you would pick. My third round pick. Really? Yeah. I think there's another one that's blatantly obvious that could even cross the billion-dollar marker. But I'm going Spider-Man Across the Universe. We got our first look about a little over a month ago for this film. We have 
Miles Morales returning for a second go around. The uh, expectations have been raised, right? The stakes are being raised for this upcoming film from Phil Lord and Chris Miller. The first one, it was absolutely astonishing to like see how good of a movie it was with the expectations that no one really thought this was going to be special, right? Miles Morales, new Spider-Man character, animated movie. So everyone's like, okay, yeah, if it's good, that's great. But if it's not good, like who really cares? They ended up turning in one of the best films of 2018. Okay. One of the best films of 2018. Now we're looking four years later, 2022, we're getting not only a sequel, but part one of a massive two-part movie. And so what that tells me, we could be looking at the end of an animated Miles Morales story with a part one, part two, and then we might see him in live action after part two, right? So it almost seems like there's going to be this huge culmination of a story to wrap up this Miles Morales character. So it can be explored further on the big screen in terms of live action. So I'm pumped for it. Spider-Man 2099, we got Oscar Isaac, Spider-Gwen, Haley Steinfeld returning, Shmeek Moore returning, Peter B. Parker hopefully returning. But you got to make sure you got to give me Spider-Ham and Spider-Man uh, Noir. Give me Nick Cage Nick in this Cage. movie, John Mulaney. Nick Cage. Um, yeah, this is a great pick. This is my number sixth on my board. I also can't wait for this movie. The animation looks even better than the original in that trailer that we saw. At least in my opinion, it looks fantastic. So good. Um, Spider-Man 2099, it looks like, like he's fighting with Miles Morales in the trailer. This might be a part one where he's the villain, but they realize, oh, like maybe there's a bigger villain which hasn't been teased yet, which is great by them uh, that they're not showing us who the villain is yet. Love it when that happens in trailers, when we don't see a lot, but enough to gain excitement. That's why it's valid for a pick here on this draft. Love the pick. And I can't wait to see Oscar Isaac as, as voicing Spider-Man 2099. Hell yeah. Um, next up, I kick up the fourth round before I send it back to you. I will go with so once again, I'm facing the same question I've reiterated multiple times. I'm going Knives Out 2 with my fourth round pick. Knives Out 2, right, the follow-up to 2019, I believe 2019, the 2019 release from Ryan Johnson, mm -hmm. 2020 Best Picture nominee. We got yet another stacked cast. Following the first movie, we now have Dave Bautista. We got Daniel Craig back as Benoit Blanc. We got Kate Hudson, Ethan Hawke, Catherine Hahn, Edward Norton. The list goes on and on. Right. So this movie, I think, has just wrapped filming. There's going to be a third one. Right. The rights for the Knives Out IP has gone to Netflix. So it's going to be I'm not concerned over right the quality of this film. I think as long as you have Ryan Johnson involved with this story. OK, it could be something special. What I am looking forward to seeing or what I'm interested in seeing is this cast playing off one another. What was so good about the original Knives Out is the chemistry between all the characters, the riffing between one another. And uh, I think that made it all more, all more enjoyable with a whodunit type of story. You need those eccentric and bombastic characters, ones that can uh, have confrontation with one another and uh, makes it like, enjoyable to watch on screen. So I, I think Catherine Hahn is the one to look out for in this movie because she's obviously coming off a huge 2021 with, uh, what's it called? Uh, WandaVision, WandaVision, right? As, and she's going to be her own Agatha Harkness show. Uh, we know it was Agatha all along, and it probably gives away the culprit in this movie for Knives Out 2. Yeah, no, uh, Knives Out 2, like, I think you said a lot. It's in, like, a, like where were they shooting? Like, in Croatia, 
or like yeah some, like, somewhere exotic in europe or something yeah like i'm interested to see like because obviously the first one was in that like uh it was like a like um like up dreary. upstate new york yeah like upstate new york very dreary it looked like it rained like two days before or something like very i don't know um like who done it like clue vibes this one more tropical maybe a little bigger put them on a cruise put them on a cruise um i can't say it was in my top 10 but i'm obviously very excited to see because hey you you when netflix buys it the franchise uh for knives out two and three for 400 500 million dollars you know that they're gonna make it bigger and better so definitely very excited to see it yeah and then like the story honestly i like the story was good in the first one i didn't think it was like out of this world good like as other people have said have said Mm-hmm. I thought like it was like stretching the limits a little bit of what of believability. Um, but I don't know. I'm confident. I, I, I'm somewhat confident that they can provide a story just as good for the next one. But uh, we're on to your fourth round pick, Ricky Flex. Okay. It's I'm not going comic book for the rest of the draft. Um, but it's like, do I want to go chalk or – do I want to just pick something out of the radar, which I don't think you would like, it might not even cross your mind. I'll save that for the fifth. I'll pick something that I picked last year in the most anticipated movies before COVID uh, got crazy. And I'll go. Don't worry, darling. September 23, uh, 2022. I think Olivia Wilde, back even though i'm a jason sudeikis stan ted lasso shout out i think she's very talented as a director as you saw in book smart and i'm interested to see what she does following that and harry styles uh obviously we saw a night one of the greatest post-credit scenes ever in eternals but first he's doing this movie and i think this movie is going to show like obviously he's a huge star and i like uh like big celebrity. So a superhero MCU, that makes sense. But this one, it's like, all right, like, is this like, can he actually act? Can he actually do it? And being next to Florence, Florence Pugh, who absolutely tore, like was the best part in Black Widow by far, was arguably the best part in Hawkeye as well. I would say, yes, she's a star and actually true actress, a very talented actress, Oscar nominated. So can Harry Styles live up to that, live up to the top billing here? Uh, next alongside Florence Pugh and this movie like we saw the the quick like 10 second like mini teaser trailer type thing we've seen stills how they're dressed this like 1950s type movie I don't know 50s but it seems like it's in that era very stylish with very beautiful people on screen Chris Pine's also in this movie very excited to see it I think it's worthy of being drafted um, but I don't know if it would be your in your top 10 but I'm just very excited to see is Harry Styles going to live up to this hype. It's in my top 12, which I did a blog about earlier. Um, Oh, actually yesterday I did a blog about it that I published finally. Um, I think this movie could be 20, like 2022's version of house of Gucci, where there's a bunch of hype surrounding or surrounding it. It's got celebrity status left and right. Talked about Harry Styles, fashion icon, music icon, superhero in the MCU. Okay. Then you have Florence Pugh, one of the most exciting young actresses in Hollywood. Chris Pine is like taking a backseat to all these other characters, apparently to all these other great actors and what it looks like based on like uh, the early descriptions of this film and the billing of it. 
Olivia Wilde, you have like that dynamic with her and Harry Styles that you talked about. Or they have a relationship. So in terms of like gossip and things of like that nature, I think this is going to be like the equivalent to a House of Gucci where you have Lady Gaga, Adam Driver. It's just like everyone loves Adam Driver. He's so ugly, but that makes him so good looking. It's like it's just like it's just like people are fascinated by the people in this movie. Um, so I, I'm excited for it. But the question you you nailed it. Can Harry Styles actually act? Because we we got him minimally in Dunkirk. I don't know why everyone flips out about that performance because it felt like he was just any other soldier in that movie. And then we have I agree. him who looked fantastic as Eros at the end of Eternals. I was like, damn, like yeah, he actually looks sick. And he I, looks that like was, a superhero. That was a jaw dropping moment. I was like, damn, like that was that was cool. And then Olivia Wilde coming off Book Smart. Right. With a very different looking type of movie based off the teaser here. It looks like it's going to be a drama of some sort. It looks like maybe a young nuclear family uh, from the 1950s. I'm excited to see it. I just want to see more of it, see a trailer of it. Give us more because it's been forever since like we heard an announcement or anything juicy from this movie. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, it's the gossip kind of drives the like drives this movie and the anticipation and expectations of it. Uh, that's why I think that it's, it's like valid being picked. And I think I'm getting caught up in it a little bit, but then again, like I think the cast speaks for itself and the actual work from Florence Pugh and Olivia Wilde and Chris Pine, like coming off of 1984, like he's going to have to put in his, his, his real acting chops here and, and going alongside uh, Florence Pugh. So I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. He's got to come back to relevance there. Chris Pine. That is, um, something else I wanted to say. Remember when the pictures of the, it was early coronavirus pandemic of them filming this movie, how it dominated film Twitter for like three weeks, which is pictures. At least three weeks. It was crazy. It was just pictures of Harry Styles wearing a mask and like wearing a tie. <laughs> and everyone was thought it was just going to be the greatest movie of all time. Like, dude, we haven't seen anything regarding this movie, but it just shows like the phenomenon that is Harry Styles. And, uh, and it shows a star power of Florence Pugh as she uh, is taking the movie world by storm and probably right alongside Saoirse Ronan as like the most exciting young actress in Hollywood. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good take. Yeah, I agree. Zendaya oh. as well. Yeah. Um, all right. So uh, round out your team with your fifth rounder here. Okay. From our conversations about Mank and potential conversation about like being the Ricardos, that movie that just came out and just any, any movie that's anything related to film and the history of film and the history of film, arguably the greatest blockbuster director, arguably the greatest director of all time. Steven Spielberg is making a movie about himself. So I'm going to pick the Fablemans here. Wow. It's not what I thought you were picking at all. Holy crap. Never mind. I was led away. I, this is a personal pick. I told you I was saving it and I don't think you're going to pick it. So, um, but I love film uh, movies about film, film directors, film, whatever. And this is just another one. And it's coming out November 23rd. And basically, like we talked about on the Spielberg draft in the Spielberg uh, um, episode, how like he's had a cra- like pretty crazy life. Um, not like crazy as in like sexy or anything like that, but like him in relationship with his father and how he shows that in his films. And this cast to go along that he's put together here is pretty remarkable. Seth Rogen. He's going to play like uncle here. Um, Paul Dano, who I think is one of, if not the most underrated actor in Hollywood, Michelle Williams, who's a phenomenal actress who just kind of just goes on the right under the radar. She's not underrated or anything, but it just seems like she's just like, doesn't get enough credit. I don't know. She's not in the headlines. She's not in the, 
a lot like any MCU type projects like that. Like she's just under the radar. Like she she is in Venom, I will say, but like very limited screen time in Venom. It's very clearly focused on that. So I'm very interested to see this. Looking forward to it. The Fablemans. Yeah. So I wasn't going to pick this, but I, I, I like that you picked it. Um, Paul Dano supremacy. That's what we're in favor of around here. Um, I want to lump him somehow with our other two plump boys. Uh, with oh. our two favorites here, Plemons and Frazier, but he's just not on that level. He has to get a little more overweight to be a part of that, that squad. Um, please don't do that, Paul Dano. But if it just so happens to happen, we would love you for him to be our third plump boy just because we support him in everything he does, and we love him in everything he does. But Seth Rogen here too, that's, that's kind of crazy. Like, uh, that, that's, um, like a Steve Jobs type role maybe like in that movie? I don't know. I think he's going to be playing a family member. Yeah, uncle. An uncle. So what do you mean? Yeah. Like Steve Jobs, like in terms of like a uh, sentiment, like in terms of like how it's portrayed, like, a, like, like how he portrayed was, is that what you're saying? Yeah. Like, cause like that was a serious role for Seth Rogen, which I thought he excelled. In. Oh, okay. And, yeah, yeah. and I think this is going to be another one of those, maybe a comedic relief, maybe perhaps I'm not sure, but um, I'm very excited uh, for us to see Seth Rogen in this light again. And so it's similar to what I say in Wolf Farrow, where they get away from the comedic roles and they're actually very good. So I'm interested to see this coming of age story with Seth Rogen, like going to be, having a crucial part in this. And I guess I'll just, I'll just one more thing I would say on this movie is that Paul Dano, I think is the perfect, like if he, if he's playing an older Steven Spielberg, I would love that. That'd be cool. I would love that. Yeah. Now he kind of has that slender build to him too. I know mm-hmm. I call I've mm-hmm. tried to lump in the plump boys. He's not there yet, but he's got that <laughs> slender build. And if he's in a movie, as I'm saying before, like I'm going to watch it. It's just, like, he's just too electric. Um, Okay. Yeah. No, that's a good pick. I, I just didn't, I didn't see it coming. I get a little nervous with a director writing about his own wife, directing a movie about his own wife and not getting too emotional over it. And then it can, the movie can kind of uh, suffer as a result. So that's the only thing I'm a bit nervous of. Is that yeah. cross your mind at all? Yeah, I'm a bit nervous, but it's Steven Spielberg. And unlike Ridley Scott, I think he doesn't have as many misses and his misses are like, aren't clear misses. It's like still mostly beloved critically. So I think I'll be fine there. And I was just reading the INDB here. Um, Paul Dano will be playing the father, so he will not be playing. Uh, Damn it. <laughs> so I didn't want to ruin anything there. But I don't know. I was thinking it would be perfect. Like, I'm thinking Love and Mercy playing Brian Wilson. Like, I don't know. Like, it would have been awesome playing him, playing an actual real icon. I think he would have pulled it off, but I digress. It could work. Um, all right. Now it's on to Mr. Irrelevant. Oh, I also just, sorry, real quick, just to go back to your comment and your worries. Tony Kushner is also helping with the writing. And obviously Lincoln, Munich, West Side Story that we just saw that, which we loved and his adaptations from it, um, just to kind of ease your head a little bit there. Okay. So Mr. Irrelevant, Tony Kushner, we, we like, yes, great stuff. Loved it. Loved his work for West Side Story. Um, I, I guess I should, I was, I already have a superhero movie. I have somewhat of a franchise movie with knives out too. kills the flower moon. We got two great directors here. I think I'm going to go with my last pick, not an MCU film. And I think I'm going to go with one that I'm just calling now. It's going to win best picture. <laughs> I think this movie is this. I, I usually do this every year where I just, okay, this movie's going to win best picture in the, by the time it releases. Um, Babylon. It? Okay. Yeah. Babylon. Damien Chazelle, we haven't seen him do any, uh, uh, have any work 
sit or actually make a movie and say that it sounds very negative, but uh, first man with Ryan Gosling, if you're not familiar with David Chazelle's work, may I remind you, he created 2016's La La Land. And then he also was in charge of whiplash with miles Teller, JK Simmons, Babylon. We're talking about movies of early day Hollywood, early day Hollywood. The poster I'm looking at, it's in black and white, sort of with some yellow coloring, gold coloring, um, I'm not sure if this movie will be in black and white. I, I, if it has an early 20th century um, setting, I assume it will have elements of black and white at least. But if Damien Chazelle is doing something that has my attention immediately, I have a cast in front of me that is all world. We're talking Margot Robbie, who replaced Emma Stone. Imagine that. You replace Emma Stone. Oh, my God, we need an actress. Oh, let's replace her with Margot Robbie. Are you kidding me? We also have... Brad Pitt and Tobey Maguire in this movie. Tobey Maguire after a massive end of 2021. Here he comes back in the acting fold with a role alongside Leonardo, I mean, excuse me, Brad Pitt, Olivia Wilde. Lovely also on Olivia Wilde making her second appearance on the pod today, all right, with a, with a role in this film. Spike John's also in this movie, acclaimed director of her, and also has a couple, like, mm-hmm. Okay, supporting roles in like Martin Scorsese movies, talking about The Wolf of Wall Street. But I'm very excited, especially with the Margot Pitt McGuire aspect and Damien Chazelle just doesn't miss. You could say First Man was kind of a uh, a letdown by the expectations set by La La Land and uh, Whiplash. But I think he's going to come back into form here with an absolute banger with Babylon, early Hollywood, 20th century. Yeah, first man was a letdown. Everyone, it was similar to the, like similar to what you were saying, like best picture predictions. Every I didn't see any uh, like for anticipated twenty eighteen uh, movies. Everyone predicted first man to win best picture and win everything. Ryan Gosling to get his first Oscar, which still is yet to be the case. So definitely like the hype was there and coming off a of La La Land, it's just tough. Still a very good movie. Chazelle, very young, already has a best director in his bag. Like that's amazing. And this cast to come off of First Man and this story, I think it's going to be something that is coming out around Christmas time. Yes, the Oscars are going to be biting it's at lining this. up. They will be. Yes, they're lining up. <laughs> they were already lining up at the theaters for this. So this should have been like if like not trying to diversify and also non-personal, this should have been up there for me as in anticipated movies um, could be top three even should have been picked. But Stealing it here, Mr. Irrelevant, very impressive, great pick. Shout out Toby Maguire. I love it. I love it. If I, I were to go over our list now, I'm gonna go over one regret I have, and then we're gonna get hit honorable mentions. Ricky Flicks has for most anticipated moves of 2022. The Batman. He's got Nope from Jordan Peele, Thor: Love and Thunder from Taika Waititi, Don't Worry Darling from Olivia Wilde, and The Fablements from Steven Spielberg. All those incredible directors. Dr. O has The Northman from Robert Eggers. He has Killers of the Flower Moon from Martin Scorsese. Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse from Phil Lord and Chris Miller. Knives Out 2 from Ryan Johnson. And Babylon from Damien Chazelle. Ricky Flux, I got to admit, seeing my list, I love it, except for Knives Out 2. I, I was going to say the same thing. Like When you said the first three, I'm like, wow, his list is so much better than mine. And then when you say knives out too, I'm like, oh, that's where like my list kind of evens out near the end there. But 
Knives Out 2, I still think it'd be great. But a sequel to Knives Out that it's just a huge cast, like I said, but it's going to be much bigger and it's a Netflix production. So let's just see how it does. Don't yeah. lose hope in your list yet. I think our honorable mentions here, we got to bring up the obvious superhero movie we left off, Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. Uh, did you think about taking this with your fourth or fifth rounder, Ricky Flex? I did. May 6th movie. Um, I did. Sam Raimi returned Doctor Strange uh, to, to Marvel and Superhero Game. And we saw the trailer, right? At the end of Spider-Man. I don't know. Something's, thro- like, something's throwing me off here with this movie. I don't know. I don't me know too. what it is. There's, there's something wrong. And it's not the reshoots. I did mention that in prior pods because the reshoots definitely you you settled my mind on that because this movie was supposed to come out a while ago and before Spider-Man. So definitely the reshoots are definitely from that most likely. But I don't know. There seems like a lot going on. Shichuel will be coming back to go along with Supreme Strange. So a lot to conquer in this movie. So for a top 10 list, I'm okay leaving it off. It was one that I was thinking about. If I wanted people to like my list, I would put it on there because a lot of people love <laughs> Doctor Strange. I love Benedict Cumberbatch, especially when he's staring down a best, act, a best actor potential win this year for The Power of the Dog. I think I, 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 I have some hesitation with the size of the story. We got WandaVision. We got Wanda, played by Elizabeth Olsen, coming into the fold. We got it's just a lot of a lot of moving parts The comeback of Baron Mordo played by Shueto Ejiofor. We have Benedict Cumberbatch playing two different roles. I think this movie could get messy. And we even talked about the possibility of Loki appearing in this movie. Right. But there's also the positives. You have Sam Raimi coming back to superhero films. We just had right. Tobey Maguire making his return. Spoiler alert in Spider-Man No Way Home. So Raimi back with, see, interesting, have Doctor Strange in No Way Home, his connection potentially to those two movies. Um, and it's going to have like a horror element, horror vibe to it. It could be special, but I think there's just too much going on. So that's why I had, what other honorable mentions do you have, Ricky Flex, just to name a few? Um, well, I guess we just, just conquer all the comic book yeah. movies here, maybe. While we're here. Um. Black Panther, Black Panther, Wakanda Forever. What are they going to do with T'Challa's story arc? And how's that going to imply uh, implications for the MCU as a whole? That's going to be fascinating to watch. And you hear about all the production issues that film's going through right now. Yeah, the COVID Wright, situation. Rumors. And then what is the proper way to handle the Black Panther character? And there's been a petition that's been circulating the internet saying to recast T'Challa in the after the death of Chadwick Boseman, the sad, absolutely tragic death of Chadwick Boseman. And when he just started to explore this character, what do you think they should do, Ricky Flex? Do you think they should recast this character? Or do you have Letitia Wright come into the fold? Do you have maybe another um, variant come in of T'Challa? What do you think? I think their plan is Letitia Wright to kind of take the mantle as in like the whole, like own this role, own this franchise this part of the MCU. If it was me, I definitely wouldn't recast T'Challa just because he is black, the Black Panther, but Chadwick Boseman, he's that symbol, right? Um, honestly, I would do what I hate comic book movies doing is try to find a way to bring Michael B. Jordan back and Killmonger. I would really try. And if not that, then go with Nez's idea and make it a TV show Game of Thrones style. I like that idea. 
I think that like, there is a show coming on Wakanda. So like, and we, I know we're having, we should maybe repost that conversation. That was, a, that was a great conversation where they should take this next um, step, right. Yeah. For the, for Wakanda and what's going on Black Panther. But do you think like, there's a lot of people that saw T'Challa, like the African-Americans, they, they see T'Challa and they're just like, Hey, like, this is a symbol for us. It's important that we have a character of this magnitude on the big screen. So if this petition gets a certain amount of signatures, do you think that Feige should consider maybe bringing in a variant of T'Challa? Since we have this uh, opportunity. Yeah. We have the opportunity with the multiverse to bring in another T'Challa. I, I, I don't it just know. It seems a little too soon. It, it will, it's too soon for Letitia Wright, in my opinion, to also be taking up the mantle. Yeah. I don't, I don't think that's she's ready as sure yet. I know there's been co- some controversy over her political views. You know how it goes in this industry. All right. With how people act and like, are they going to be able to be able to lead in this movie now? They're facing a harsh criticism. And Michael B. Jordan, like you're going to you could bring back a, maybe a multi. If you want to talk about bringing what if want to talk about maybe a variant with Michael B. Jordan as Killmonger, but not the evil one that we saw mm-hmm, from, mm-hmm. or he wouldn't call himself evil. The variant the is a good, good get-out-of-jail-free card, you know, like uh, the multiverses. It's a good get-out-of-jail-free card. So, like, the MCU, if there's, like, an issue or uh, something unexpected, like a tragic uh, tragedy here, like, the multiverse is a good, like, uh, some as a, a escape route. So right. they could go that angle, and I think that's actually not a bad idea. But I don't know. It just seems too soon for all of this. Um, yeah, but they, they're releasing a movie next year. So we got, that's why, like, I'm anticipating, I'm highly anticipating to see what they do. Such a weird yeah. situation or I think, a highly unusual situation. I think if I had to make a vote, I would say they make it a Game of Thrones style, even potential movie into a TV show. Yeah, right? Maybe this Where is like the they're fighting for of the it. throne. This could be the beginning of it. Or I would be also be like Killmonger variant, just like what if tie-ins that we have with potentially Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness have something similar going on with Wakanda Forever and what if. Those mm-hmm. are my two. Um, uh, other superhero ones, Black Adam and The Flash, DC, not making the list. Thoughts on those upcoming films? Black Adam, The Rock, let's see after how many years of him trying to make get this movie together, finally coming together next year. We saw a little teaser at DC Fandom good uh not great um didn't actually see him in the suit or anything or see his face but i don't know the rock arguably the biggest person on the planet right now gonna be a superhero that's big yeah literally i i I am excited for black adam and the flash just not to the near extent of these other superhero films uh i think the lingering over the flash with Zack Snyder as Miller is being cast as like from Zack Snyder, I should say it's looming over the movie, Michael Keaton. Do we like the idea of him making more appearances? Do we like the fact that we're probably not going to see a lot of Ben Affleck in this movie? It's like a lot of question marks to that movie quite, and, and like right the way now, it looked too on the yeah. trailer. It just, it didn't look that visually appealing as we wanted it to. So what I, I interrupted you, what were you going to say Flex? No, like I think the Flashpoint storyline is very cool. And one of the coolest comic book storylines there is MCU or DCU or any comic book uh, story ever. But it's just a lot to conquer right now in a DCEU that's very confused. It doesn't even have a Superman right now. There's another Batman that has a lot more hype around it than the DCEU. It's just a very odd time to do it. They're, I don't know. I'm just nervous that it, I'm just nervous about it. And then right now, this week, you're seeing, uh, 
things circulating on the internet saying that this movie is going to erase everything that Zack Snyder did. And fans are not going to like that if revolt. they do it. They're going to revolt. So, and there's rumors that this super, uh, the Supergirl, I should say, is basically the Superman, and there won't be a Superman in the DCU. It'll be the, it'll be Supergirl. That's what I'm nervous it's going to happen so, with Batman, Ricky. It's what I've been saying. So, these we're rumors, get Batgirl and Supergirl, and we're not going to have Batman or Superman in a DC universe that's supposed to compete with Marvel. Right, and it's, it's. I think it's a problem. And they're really not doing what the fans would like, which is not going to help them in the short term or long term. They're in trouble. DC is in trouble if they don't have like I know they doesn't deserve to be on the list. They have the Batman. I don't want the Batman associated with anything with the DCEU because they're an absolute train wreck right now. But to not have a Batman or a Superman that is continuously involved, man, that's scary. That is scary. And relying on past Batman. And you're going to rely on Black Adam, a villain. An anti-hero to potentially carry your universe? No. Zach Levi as Shazam? I mean, that's, that's she, a far fetch. Yeah, and so I guess to kind of just end the superhero discussion, Aquaman. Shazam, is that next year, 2023? That's, oh, it's got to be this year, right? Oh, Before my the God. Gods? And Aquaman's this year, Lost Kingdom. Wait, is Shazam? Shazam 2. Here, look this up. Fury of the Gods. Shazam. Is that this year? I, I didn't even... I. I don't, I, it might be down. 20, it might be, it, yeah, it's 2023. Okay, yeah, and Aquaman's the end of 2022. Aquaman's this year. Yeah, and obviously I'm not excited for that after my thoughts on Aquaman. I didn't even bring it up. Yeah. <laughs> Lost Kingdom. Yeah. Um, other ones on the list here, I'll just rattle off a couple action films. Uh, we got Top Gun Maverick, Mission Impossible 7. Tom Cruise, baby. And we also have uh, Bullet Train from David Leach, Zazie Beats, Brad Pitt. Right. Uh, story of five assassins, like on a train, right. Almost has like a murder on the Orient Express, except everyone's trying to kill each other. Uh, and everyone's a highly trained assassin. So that could be cool. Um, dramas here, actually animated light year. We got to mention light year coming out with Chris Evans. Yep. Uh, right. It, the it looks story. fantastic. I, I think light year looks fantastic. And yeah. I mentioned how I want it to be like a star Wars trilogy. Would love that. I'm excited for that one. June 17, 2022. Uh, untitled Elvis biopic. We got some biopics here. I almost picked this. I was close, but I don't trust Baz Luhrmann. So I don't trust him either, but I do trust him musically. Roman uh, Moulin Rouge and Great Gatsby yeah. both were great musically. And yeah. for a bio, music biopic, that's going to be big. And Elvis, we haven't seen an Elvis biopic. Like, arguably the, like the king of rock and roll. Like our, he was due. He, he is more than due. And we're having all these music biopics happen. We don't have one on Elvis yet. It's crazy yeah. to me. So absurd. And I kind of like how it's like, I'm not going to say a nobody, but a low key, not like a flashy name. Austin Butler is playing Elvis. I do like that because you're going to look at him as Elvis. Popular with young audiences. Yes. And you have a Tom Hanks in this movie as well. So you still have like a big time actor in this movie so you're getting someone that all right saying all right this is going to be this is going to be interesting and well regarded like he wouldn't do this movie if it really sucked but then again like he just did a couple of apple tv movies that weren't the greatest so interested to see and also king maggie of jo- apple tv until scorsese comes around goes to the flower moon right and then um maggie joanhall the lost daughter just came out on netflix that her first a full feature directorial debut she's also going to be uh ladies uh, presley so that's going to be interesting as well oh really i didn't know yeah. that 
and then another biopic, Blonde, Marilyn Monroe, played by Anna de Armas, a movie that was almost considered X-rated that basically Netflix, in the greatest self-promotion that maybe they're probably unaware of about a Marilyn Monroe movie. It was too scandalous for audiences. They, they're apparently doing reshoots and scaling it back a bit. Anna de Armas, Marilyn Monroe, X-rated movie. Holy crap, like that potentially could have made the list, but it just seems like there's a lot of production issues going on there. That's my, that's my worry. Too many production issues, a lot of delays, a little nervous for that. And uh, finally, I had uh, the untitled David O. Russell project that stars a, a handful of amazing actors from range from Christian Bale, uh, John David Washington. Um, do you have any other, what are the names uh, other there? I, I remember they were. Did you, uh, David O. Russell project? Isn't yeah. De Niro in that? Um, it wouldn't surprise me. I'm Let me just sure, look this up really I'm quick. I'm pretty sure uh, De Niro is in it, and he was obviously in um rami malik margot roby taylor swift apparently it says michael b jordan here i don't know right and then um no but uh i'm pretty sure like uh de niro obviously he's coming off this last time working with him was uh in uh joy joy but then the prior one was um the one with bradley cooper silver lines playbook yeah so very good there but yeah like huge cash christian bale is in this too like massive he's not just score the god butcher yeah, Chris Rock's back. Like it's huge. So I'm I'm excited for that. Just not enough plot uh, details yet. Waiting to see those. Yeah. So very excited. Oh, oh my God! You know Wait, we forgot to talk. About. I, I have a couple here. Uh, a couple more. I get. We get. We got to talk about one that like. I don't know what the hype level for you is, but Avatar two. <laughs> like, where does Avatar two rank in terms of your anticipation for movies in 2022? Where would you put it? Put a number on it. What what rank would it have? So my personal rank is like 20 because my, I was going to say the same thing, 15 to 20. It, I think from like, uh, if this was like in 2010, I, for me, it would be like 40. Yeah. <laughs> but oh, I really? Think, I think it would be the opposite, but what? I think I'm just so interested to see like, that's crazy they, talk. James Cameron says that he's been waiting to do this because the technology is not there yet. So what is this technology that he needs to make a sequel? And he's had to wait 13 years to what? make one. What and then, are you waiting for? What did Elon yes. Musk create in the lab? James Cameron to make right. Avatar 2 possible in 2022 rather than 2011. It's, what possibly could have been invented? So, I need to know. Yeah. So that's why like, I'm more interested in it. And also, as he literally has said, there's going to be like four more movies after this. So how is he going to do this? So like, this is what this is what I was thinking, Ricky Flex. I thought this is coming out in 2022. The original came out, what, 2009? Eight, nine, yeah. So, oh, nine, you're right. 2009, right? Same year as The Hurt Pretty Locker. Sure. Right? The Hurt Locker, because it lost the best picture. The yes. Hurt Locker. So <laughs> it might be 2008, whatever. But I thought... After all these years go by, I wrote my blog. Does anyone care about this movie? Does anyone? Like, even if you have the technology, like I even I made a prediction. I don't even know if this movie's gonna cross a billion dollars. The first one, right? Obviously, it's the highest grossing movie of all time, even passing Avengers Endgame after a re-release. Do I don't think enough people care about this movie to even cross a billion dollars? That sounds crazy to say, but you're making a sequel to the highest grossing movie of all time, and I don't think anyone cares about it. I don't think anyone does. When you see those tweets, those lists, those replies, I don't see anyone saying, oh, I can't wait for Avatar 2. It feels like people are forced to put it on these lists. Yeah, and they're think, forced because of the first one's uh, impact. And I think people will see it. I think the, like, the hardcore movie fans will obviously see it because they got to say, was it worth the wait? 
right? But there's no way people are going to watch this and most likely say, oh, that was totally wait, worth waiting 13 years for the sequel yeah. of this movie. That There's no way. No, there's no way. Um, so I and think- we're getting sequel after sequel after that. Yeah. <laughs> so that's why like, it's probably around 20, 20, 25. But uh, if it was right afterwards, it would be like 40. I wouldn't give a care in the world. I wonder if like James Cameron was thinking like, maybe the technology never even came. Maybe it's not even here yet, right? It, he, but, he had to do he, what? How, but how old is he? Oh. How old is James you're Cameron? You're saying because he has to get get these trilogies or these Before sequels out dies. now. Before he dies. He's getting older, bro. I love right? you, James Cameron. James, yeah. I know, I know so I'm, I'm not trying to. I'm yeah, just saying, I, know, I know, I know. He's what? 67. So he's actually younger than I expected. He's 67. He looks good. I'm saying he waits like 10 years. Oh, technology is not here. We don't have the technology. Like, he's going to be 100 making movie, making Avatar movies. And you got to make like five more of these things. Like you got to just make them now, whether you have the technology or not, which I think is why like we haven't heard about it. There's a chance it just never came. The technology never was here. Probably. He probably wanted like a virtual reality, like, I don't know, like user experience type thing, metaverse type thing. And now like they're owned by Disney. So it's like, now they're going to be a part of like the Disney world rides yep, and yep, everything. Yeah, yeah. But uh, what are some other movies you had on your most anticipated list? Um, I just had three more. Uh, we, we talked about briefly the whale, Darren Onofsky, Brendan Fraser. Just see, Hey, Brendan Fraser, this is truly, is he back? This will be it. So final, this is the final test. This is no, this is his last stand. No, it's his final test. It's his test to see if he's back. Oh, if, test. He fail- if he fails at it, I don't think it's a huge deal because he still has these other films that are supporting well, I, roles lined up. True, so true. But Brendan Fraser back if he does well. Yeah. I guess what I was trying to say is like, he'll never be a lead again if he doesn't do this well. And I think working with Darren Onofsky is huge for him. So got that. The Gray Man. Yeah, that's 2022, that was also on right? my list. That okay. was on my top 12 list. I thought um, we talked about it. My fault. I, I listed it really quickly, I think. No, I didn't. Oh, okay. No, I didn't. I didn't list it. Uh, well, I think Ryan Gosling and Chris Evans, honestly, are on the same screen together. Let's see how the Russo's brothers the do. The best it. looking cast of all time. Yeah, and this budget's like over 220 million, 250 million. Like, you, this is you, crazy. You add Rajai Jean Page from Bridgerton, like, adds like the right. looks of the cast. Right. Up, up and comer, guy who left Bridgerton to pursue other acting roles. Smart, smart. Uh, for the Dungeons and Dragons franchise, not smart. Um, <laughs> hey, you know Chris Pine. Yeah. Oh yeah, um, Chris Pine. <laughs> I have one more which I almost picked as well. So my my last two picks, I was uh, fiddling between Don't Worry Darling, um, Babylon, Elvis. Uh, what was the one I picked? The Fablemans, and then this movie, which I picked in last year's most anticipated draft as well, but obviously got delayed. Or la- yeah, last year. Last year's the unbearable weight of massive talent. Oh my god, Nicholas Cage will be playing himself. In case you weren't a listener on the pod back then, will be playing himself, and he is paid a million dollars to go to Pedro Pascal's birthday party. And this is going to be one where is Pedro Pascal playing himself, or is he playing? No, he's not playing himself. Nick Cage is the only one playing himself. But and then there's like things like drug cartels happening. I'm not saying this is going to be critically amazing like his pig, but he's coming off a performance in pig that people have said is his best performance of his career. Like and, nominated. And he, if you just take away so, like all the, like he does a lot of bad movies. Okay. But when he's on hundred percent, 
he might be the greatest actor on the planet, but you just can't look at him that way because he's Nick Cage and he's just such a weirdo. So what is he going to do playing he's a himself? Thespian, not an actor. Thespian. Thespian. Sorry. Thespian. So this is going to be one of the either like really, really fun. And I can't wait to see this movie. Um, like, thank God I saw it. That was just a pure joyride or it's just going to be an absolute mess. But hey, you got to see Nick Cage play himself. Yes. Um, you can always guarantee Nick Cage is going to go balls to the wall with everything. And whether that's like to like uh, the detriment of the movie remains to be seen. This one, I just had it with like the self-awareness and meta movies coming off. Don't look up Matrix Resurrections. And here comes unbas- un- unbearable weight of massive talent. I-, I just had enough of movie stars knowing how big they are in their IP, how big it is and uh, how our world sucks. So I, 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 like, I, I, I like I like movies as an escape. And like, I feel like the past two we reviewed along with this movie, mm-hmm. it's just going to continue to like see yeah. how weird and messed up our society is. And I'm not really probably, but uh, Hey, you know what? Go watch pig. It's on Hulu right now. Go I watch, watch it. Pig. I will watch pig. We're, we're, we should do like a, just a, a review, like maybe a two hour, like special, just movies, like an awards conversation. Yeah. Or just do, um, yeah. Or we just do like a bunch of reviews that are in the awards conversation, like separate episodes. And then we just have an episode talking about like, uh, as in like, all right, we've seen all these movies. We did all these reviews and let's talk about like award implications. Who do you think is going to get nominated and stuff? Right. We'll, we'll have to do that. Maybe not next week, probably, probably week after as we head towards, like we get the actual, actually no Oscars got pushed back. Holy crap. Yeah. April. So we'll see when they, end. Oh my God. Yeah. So mind. there's going to be a lot of movies soon. coming out that I'm not going to say we don't care about, but you don't care about as the audience speaking to you. So we might just do some of those. Like we haven't talked about being the Ricardos, Licorice Pizza. Like those are going to be two, like going to be nominated. Lost Daughter. Lost Daughter, which is now on Netflix. Like we have a lot of movies. Spencer, we never did. Belfast. So if, we hit, of- if we hit a lull here, I think we get Morbius next week. But after Morbius, I think we uh, we have we to revisit Nightmare Alley as well. Nightmare Alley. Um, we, we have to revisit a lot of these movies. Yeah. But good thing we have some time now with uh, January, a little slower release schedule here. Uh, but that's going to do it for our review of the most anticipated films of 2022, right? Happy New Year's, folks. Thank you for listening. Make sure you follow us on all of our socials at The Drive-In Pod on TikTok, Instagram, and uh, Twitter. All right, make sure you follow us there. Subscribe to our YouTube. We're putting out clips regularly. Make sure you're subscribed to uh, one of our podcast platforms on either SoundCloud, uh, Spotify, or Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, whatever wherever you listen, make sure you're tuning in a lot of awards worthy movies. We're reviewing the next couple of weeks, a lot of fun, top billings. Stay tuned. A lot of great TV. Maybe we do something with a book of Boba Fett too. Maybe do like a recap or something, mid season recap and then like finale recap, something like that. But if it's that good, we might just go episode to episode. That's going to do it for episode 70 of the driving pod until next time we will 